19 of the Captain Crew Cast of Pods. I am your host, Rob, and my fellow co-hosts tonight are... Hi, my name's Kenny. How are you doing today? Hello, it's Pitbull. <laughs> and Fesh. <laughs> and, yeah, the bar goes to zero. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Fine, it's Cat. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> You did it! Only did on you, second try. Did you ever do theater in high school? Speak like a woman! Cat is the most enthusiastic out of it. It's like, Ken, Bill, Fesh, Cat. I, I swear to God, if you didn't hear an episode number in the beginning of every episode, I'm like, wait, just replaying the same one over and over if you ever listen to them so in a row. Granted, I don't think similar. anybody listens to the show to begin with, so. Uh, our so, negative one <laughs> Obviously, this is our podcast for August. We're recording a little bit earlier in the month than we usually do. Um, but, like I said, it'll probably still be coming out at the same time, so this is redundant. Anyway, let's start the show the same way we start every other show. So my question for you guys tonight is this. Would you rather be a driver in a real-life version of Mario Kart or Rocket League? And I'm going to start with Bill. Okay. It's, it's really because I've played Rocket League almost nonstop since I bought it last week on <laughs> PC. And I should have bought it earlier... I didn't think my potato PC, PC could actually run it. Uh, yes, potato mode. It's getting fixed soon. Um, as fun as Mario Kart has been, and as much as I love Mario Kart, being able to use all the items and stuff like that, I think I'd have to go with Rocket League. And even after the, the hype dies down for Rocket League, I think it would just be a much more fun experience to... Ride in your car and fly through the air and smash a ball onto the enemy's goal. You are forgetting. Actually, no. I'll wait. I'll wait to go around and then remind people if they're forgetting one key point of Rocket no. League. All right, uh, fish. One key point of Rocket League. Now, now you got to be scrambling to think what that yeah. key point could be. I'll go with Rocket League too. I think that'd be uh, man. It's just a lot of fun. And not only that, I don't really like Mario Kart. Even in the longest fan of Mario Kart, even in real life, like keep in mind, we're transitioning this. Mm -hmm. So, like we're saying, the cars can do the same kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, I mean, even if you think about like Mario Kart has had a ton of iterations, so you'd have the opportunity to do any of them. And Rocket League is just big ass soccer stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I think I'd get a lot more fans because Rocket League (laughs) soccer based, right? Yes. And let's be honest, except for America, the rest of the world loves football. Well, football. football. Yeah. I call it soccer because we're in the states. But. Football. So I think I think like if I went, you know, if if it was Mario Kart, the only other people that would be impressed with you are Japan. Which I mean, that'd be cool to have the Japanese <laughs> impressed with you, but you know, that's not the rest of the world. I'm not big in Japan. With Rocket. Yeah, <laughs> you're massive in Japan. I'm huge in Japan. So I got two for Rocket League already. Cat, how about you? I'm making Rocket League as well. <laughs> and you haven't even played it. You've just seen us play it a lot. But it looks really fun. And the problem I have with Mario Kart is I don't, like, it's so ambling and all over the place. And I always fall off and die like five billion times. And I've gotten stuck in corners that I just can't get out of. And then I just have to restart the game and it really sucks. So in real life, that would be incredibly traumatizing. I could just bounce around in Rocket League. You'd have, like, time travel, flashbacks. I'm okay with that. I can handle that. I don't want to fall off of Rainbow Road. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? You can start getting into Rocket League, too, because Ashley's playing now as well. (laughs) (laughs) Kenny, how about you? All right, well, let me give a little precursor to this. In the idea that I have never played (laughs) Rocket League. 
I've seen it once. I've seen videos of it, actually. I don't think I've ever actually seen it played, but from what I've seen of this game, it looks fantastic. There are cars that are just flying everywhere. They're flip-flopping. They're driving on the ceiling. And the best thing about it is I have never seen a car blow up, nor have I even seen a car get damaged. So to the best of my knowledge... You can't die in this game. Now, seeing as how there are other members around this table and they're holding up their fingers and laughing, I get the feeling that you can blow up in this game. So the four people at this table all have chosen Rocket League. Before you answer, <laughs> this is the perfect case of super hype. Like, this game has been hyped so much, and since it came out the beginning of July, everyone has loved this game. Okay, I'm going to... I have to choose the opposite. As much as I love Rocket League, if I'm taking both of these games on a real-world idea, nobody has ever died playing Mario Kart. None of the characters have ever died. Even if you're in battle mode, you have balloons. If you fall off the stage, the Lactacos pick you up or put you back on the track. Rocket League, if you hit somebody too fast, you explode. Or they explode. Yeah, but they come back. If you have a bad internet connection, you explode. <laughs> See, now, I was unaware of any of this. But, again, again, though, like Fesh said, you come back. How do you know it's you really coming back? What part of your soul goes with every explosion? Well, then you just gotta play you. really you good. Rainbow fucking road, and then and what come comes back, back is but a shadow of the previous Not you, yeah. Self. Or what if it's one of your clones? That's true. That's true. I think I'm a clone. Nah. <laughs> uh, Right now, I think circa like yes. 1989. Yeah, <laughs> he's still going really strong. Yeah, he is. He is. He's fantastic. Um, yeah, like you know, I, I will say is as, as much as uh, that whole thing does freak me out. I gotta say, Rocket League too. It would it would also oh be really good. So, so is this? I, the, I'm, I'm gonna flip flop on this and actually say, yeah, Rocket League. Is this the first time we actually have well, a five zero so. for one item in the Would yeah. You Rather? Yeah, I, I think it really actually is. It seems to make sense, because let's not forget the fact that, again, to my limited knowledge, in Rocket League, you have humans driving the cars. Now, if we're transcending this to real life, that means you've got large fucking dragons that shoot fireballs in your world. <laughs> what happens when the race ends and you beat him? You're fried, motherfucker. You're done. <laughs> That's true. Some of us Because might... you are not a Mario character. You are still you, but they are still themselves. So it's kind of like living in a really warped version of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, but some oh, of us God. might go home to those dragons. You know, have a nice meal, cuddle in front of the TV, <laughs> do things on a Daddy, large bed of gold. I didn't your know you were into fireplay. This is interesting. Really into dragon fireplay. I don't know why, but I've got a mental image of Koopa coming home and hanging his hat and just being one of those grumpy fathers that I'll, like kicks the dog. Up. I'll cheer him up. Peck on the cheek, his favorite meal. A little bit of time in front of the tube, glass of scotch. I'll have the man melting in my hands. Bowser is one grumpy motherfucker. That's like, true. All these years of trying to capture the princess and beat down Mario, and he's never really done it successfully. Does he have a wife? No. no. All right, that makes more sense. And the Koopa sense. kids have been retconned to not being his kids anymore as oh, well. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, my God, he even got his kids. So I, as far as we know, he, he's he's just a lonely motherfucker and has oh, been for a very long time. So, so he's sort of like all of the sea tortoises out there. Pretty know, much, yeah. Slowly fading away. So his he, he apparently was a nice enough guy to get some woman pregnant, what was it, like seven or eight times? And then she left him because and it became won the custody battle. And the kids hated him so much that they emancipated themselves from him. <laughs> this doesn't bode well for Koopa. No, I do not want to beat Koopa in a race and then talk to him afterwards. It's pretty obvious Koopa's gay, though. That's what I'm trying to tell you. 
Okay, he maybe steals. He steals the princess. Maybe that's why he's so angry because uh, he wants to come out, but he's afraid to exactly. do so. In this, Aww, we so we don't best. know the world of, of Mario and and their that's ideas true. towards openness. That's why he's grumpy. Aww. He's stealing the princess as a cover. Let's be fair. He always gets away. Come on. He also he also has a great dungeon fetish too. Huh? No, he does. He does. Let's let's be fair here, though. The princess has never been harmed when Koopa took her, and she's never talked about what happened. From what Fesh is saying, I have a theory that it might be just fashion sense huh? that they're having discussions you know, about what to wear. Again, it, we all know that in the Mario world, if, if you're not loved, you're you're completely forgotten and erased from history. Kind of like how they treated well Mario Two for the most point. Like, that's none of those mechanics have ever come back. They're yeah, like, but we like the shy guy, but that's remember, about it. Mario 2 was just a reskin. It was, it was, I know. But even Mario. still, everybody's, they kind of forget that one. Think about the bad guy from Mario 2 for a second. Wart. When was the last time you've Wart. ever seen Wart? Have I ever really even heard of Wart? I've never beaten exactly. Mario 2. Exactly. <laughs> he was the bad guy from the end of Mario 2. We've never seen him ever again. Birdo. Birdo made it, because Birdo was awesome. <laughs> yes, was he is, apparently. <laughs> was it... Toad in Mario 2? Wasn't that serious? Yeah, but Toad, Toad? Toad was already. But he was, kind of he was established. That. He was at the end yeah. of every level of Super Mario. Yep. He was, uh, yeah. your, your princess is in another castle. Um, you know, actually, this transition is really nice, you know, like one of the first things we wanted to talk about tonight, too. Our favorite moments in gaming, because we started strong to talk about Rocket League, because I know Bill and just about everybody else at this table is kind of obsessed. Um, but, I mean, not just video games, though, too. Like, um, like even just going, like, pen and paper RPGs, like. You know, yeah, and then we can kind of dig that up a little bit more. What now? Um, actually, no, Kenny. Like, I know this was some of the stuff you wanted to talk about. Is there, like, for you, what was your favorite moment in gaming, whether it's video game or pen and paper? Oh my gosh, I could go I through that's it. Pretty and... broad. Yeah. Okay, how about this? Let's let's go video games, and then we'll go. Okay, well, here we'll start with video games. Let's start with video games. I grew up with the Nintendo Entertainment System, the first one. It came out in stores when I was a kid, and I actually remember my parents told me, and this goes to a whole other side of nerdiness that influenced me, I could get a Nintendo Entertainment System if I read 100 books over the course of a summer. And I did it, and that fall I got the Nintendo, and one of the first games I got was Castlevania. And motherfucker, I never beat that game without using the Game Genie. It was incredibly hard, but it was incredibly good. So, I would have to say Castlevania is one of my favorite classic video games of all time. You you had to read a hundred books in a summer. They didn't That's have to be let's keep, it, let's keep in mind, I was <laughs> like I was like eight years old, so a lot of these books were, were 40, 50 pages. So the, it wasn't that hard. The first video game I ever purchased on my own at like the age of nine uh, was the original Game Boy. And I had to I went around and raked neighbors' yards. To save up the cash to buy it. And I was so sad because I bought it. I was like, yes! And it didn't come with batteries, and it also didn't come with, like, a charging pad. Like, it was an additional, like, $15 to buy the plug. And that was when I first learned what capitalism was like. (laughs) But no, actually, honestly, I kind of cheated because I figured out at 9 a really clever technique where you offer to rake yards and you go, I'm not going to set a price. You just give me whatever you think is fair. Because adults that's will actually, overpay yeah, a lot scary. when you approach them with that system. Because they're like, well, 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 that's a good kid. Or at least I feel like I was getting overpaid. But, yeah. No, yeah, um, that actually tends to work in your favor. And I had some soccer game. I can't remember the name of it. But it was an amazing, it was a really fun game. 
And it was even more fun when all of a sudden I realized how to do like a super kick, like a power move, just by randomly hitting buttons. And that just like blew my mind. I was like, holy crap, I discovered something I didn't know existed. Oh, you know what? I need so to amend fun. something. Because you saying that the secret kick made me realize one of the best games, in cl- or not games, I guess, we'll edit that out. One of the really best, oh, probably not. <laughs> one of the best times that I ever had in classic video games was when I learned about the Konami code. Um, when I first learned that I could do this code that would give me 30 lives in Contra, and then lives in everything else, it was amazing. It was one of the happiest days of my life, and I remember going to school and bragging about it. And half the kids already knew, so I just bragged to the other half, so I was the man. <laughs> we didn't have the internet back then. We had to figure things out on our own. We also did have Nintendo Power Magazine to help us, though. We did. Cat, can, can, can you go with something? Are you still thinking? I'm thinking. Oh, this is going to be good. See, we didn't have, like, game systems growing up. We weren't allowed to play them. So I didn't play anything until high school, and that was because PS2 was already out and someone was getting rid of their PlayStation 1. So Uh, they gave it to me, and I'm like, all right. Uh, Because they were like, well, I don't need this anymore because all the PS2... um, PS1 games work on PS2, right? Yes. So my first game on that system was Chrono Cross. So the Super Nintendo Classic. And that was became why we named our cast what we did. Chrono Cross and Trigger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I gotta say for favorite moment in gaming, I think it's the first time my dad brought home this box. Uh, and uh, it kind of looked like a little treasure chest kind of thing. Like, it was had that, like, design all across it and had, like, these sand marks dusted off. And the only thing I really recognized on this, because, like, all these game names just didn't mean anything to me, but I was like, oh, Indiana Jones. So I was like, cool. And then there was, like, four or five other icons in there. It was, like, um, Sam and Max, uh, Monkey Island, Loom, Zack McCracken. It was all these old games, like, games I've never heard of before ever in my life. Well, of course, my brain thinking, okay, like oh, I'm gonna play Indiana Jones game, so I went and played like I think it was like Temple of Doom or something like that, and then I was like, eh, whatever, not a big deal, and I jumped to Monkey Island, and that started a very long, long, long obsession with point and click adventure games, <laughs> and um, I've been playing them pretty much constantly ever since. I mean, but I never, never thought I'd ever find a game that was like had so many puzzles and was just humor from start to finish. And I think that was like kind of like my like moment of zen with gaming. This is kind of like this is my kind of style of stuff. Now it looks like Bill's had yeah, a little bit of trouble, so I, we're gonna help no, Bill out. No, Bill, like, Bill, I want to know: Did you have a Sega Genesis? No, I had Nintendo. I had you Super had Nintendo. Nintendo. Did uh, you have PC games? Because I know you're a PC gamer now. I did have a few PC games. Uh, did you have the old text-based games? No, I uh, no, I didn't, and I can't, I can't stand text-based games. I always got eaten um, by the group. But I, I, I think I actually narrowed it down, and I, okay. I think I, I've got mine because I initially went to my Blizzard fanboy roots, roots, not even really roots. Um, I, I went to that first and was going to say, oh, there's something for World of Warcraft because you know it fits in the story and it did all this and that. And then I thought, let me go back even farther. I went back to the first time I actually ever beat a game, which was an arcade game, which really makes me excited for the arcade that you're building, Rob. And it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. Um, went was down at the shore on vacation one year, and me and my dad just pumped, you know, quarters, you know, 
quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter into this machine with some other guy who was switching in and out whenever we had to run and get more cash. And we spent probably about two hours from like and 11. Probably about 50 bucks. Probably, but <laughs> from like 11 p.m. till like 1 a.m. And at the time, I was like six, seven years old. Finish the game, get back to the room. My mother is super pissed because I'm only six and I'm out until 1 a.m. What the hell was he doing? But it was just such a fun experience. And, you know, beating arcade games takes a special level of skill, dedication, and, and money. capital. <laughs> I think I beat. Uh, I got pretty high up into Smash TV with one friend, and I remember going into the arcade with 60 bucks and bumming money from friends at some point in time of the day. But we almost beat Smash TV. Almost. No, there is actually an ending to the game. It just feels like it just keeps it going. Uh, but no, I mean, um, but I know one of the real reasons we want to talk about this, though, we were really thinking RPGs, but... I was going to say, can we bring that back yeah. around again real well, quick? Well, that's what I was... We, that was the plan. Yeah. That's, that was the plan. I yeah. Yeah. Video games real quick. Yeah, we all because, video games there. Uh, but, but, I mean, RPGs, though, I mean, like, you know, what what are some of your favorite moments in an RPG, or, like, what are some of your favorite, like, mechanics, uh, or, like, you know, lore or anything that, like, sucks you into something like D&D or, like, uh, you know, Star Wars... I gotta jump right out there and do a shout out to the old Starkville uh, Vampire the Masquerade group. Uh, Southern Mississippi is the first like live RPGs I used to do, uh, uh, running around with those guys. I never understood the game mechanics. I never read a single book. Rock paper scissors, yeah. man. It's well, just... but dude, but uh, you know that's that's actually that was me too. That was my first RPG of any was, sort. Was, was Vampire the Masquerade? Vampire the Masquerade. It was absolutely um, beautiful. I used to play at University of Delaware. Well, okay. Whole lot of, yeah. Yeah. I know that's most of the people here like, yeah, that we know yeah. nowadays. Yeah, it seems like it was a very college-driven game because most of the most of the characters down there were again out of Starkville, Mississippi, Mississippi State University. I couldn't make. Very many games. I make one or two a year if they happen nearby or always in the in the right area. But what I loved about those games is I don't know if, what your experience is like, but there was so much like backfighting and drama involved around uh -huh. the games. That it, yeah, well, there's that. And, but then uh, the same stuff is there was all that stuff with the characters. Yeah, that was well, yeah, separate yeah, drama. Exactly, but it, it, <laughs> things between characters would evolve into actual fights outside. Oh, of the yeah, yeah, that's totally true. And that was no. wonderful for me because I get dropped in. To the middle of these maelstroms of drama, no idea what's going on, you know, with like a brand new character every time, Aww, and then I would vampire bubbling around. Oh yeah, yeah, but it was great because people would be like, "Oh, we'll get him involved," and I would uh -huh. just destroy. I would like gather information and then break it out and cause these giant rifts. And to me, it was an amazing thing to do because then I would go away awesome. for months. Yeah, and then the, the yeah, the ensuing shitstorm would be That's amongst everybody yeah, else. Yeah. What was great about that old style too? Just rock paper scissors. It, you didn't feel like you had to know a ton of stuff to be able to get into it. What like, plant? What plant? Uh, I played Gangrel. I played. Uh, I, I was a Bruja every time. Oh, I, I liked Anarchist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played uh, the traditional Gangrel, not the city Gangrel, like the like the to the nature kind of style. Yeah. But like, nice. but we played them kind of like hippies that just were just the world just kind of passed them by a little bit. But it was fun. Like we had a lot of fun with it. I mean, yeah, they were always amazing games. But it yeah. was great. Like it's such a great. It was such a great entry point. Uh, I mean, I know vampires still See, going. Mine wasn't but... vampire, but it was World of Darkness. It was werewolf. Mm -hmm. Werewolf game. Oh, game. I was in that yeah, game. Yeah, it was um, Chris and TJ's game that they ran for a couple years, and that was my first introduction to LARPing ever, and it was so much fun. Like, I was so shy then, and I played, like, the hippie character. It was, like, Chuck or Gaia or something like that. <laughs> and it was a blast, though. I absolutely loved doing it. 
See, now, I, I tried the LARPing once. I did the LARP. It was not my thing. Not my fan. When I tried it, I did Vampire the Masquerade, and okay. I did uh, Werewolf, which is a White Wolf system, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I tried those two, but they weren't my first. Everyone here seems to have started with LARPs. I actually yeah, started... Yeah. I, it's because of what I'm going into. GURPS was the system that I started. And GURPS is an amazing system. If you've never played it, it stands for Generic Universal Role-Playing System. Whereas a lot of these other systems are vampires built and you, you can play a vampire character. And werewolf is built, and you can play a werewolf character. GURPS, and you can play GURPS, anything. You can play cyberpunk. You can play yeah. fantasy. You can play dark demons. Anything you want, that system is built for. And that's what I loved about it. And it, it started me off on this idea that I can do anything I want in games. Until that point, I'd played board games with my family. I'd played video games with my friends. But all of those things have limitations. And role-playing games were the first thing that told me Anything you want to do, you can do. And it will have consequences, good or bad, but you can do them. And that is that just blew my mind. And ever since then, I have loved those games because of that in the system. The ability to do whatever you can create. Until you stab a kid in Oxford and you have to move to Alabama. <laughs> like I said, I'm not LARPing. <laughs> I say my favorite RPG moment actually comes from recent history. My current gaming group playing Star Wars game. I am the pilot, and I was the pilot. I, both my characters in this game have been the pilot, and as you may see, this is going in a very bad direction. My first character was very gung ho, but also very young. She was, she was very naive and didn't know that things could hurt her. So she goes running headlong into a battle, and gets shot by one of the enemies who gets lucky and rolls exactly perfectly to just make me explode all over the hangar bay. Oh, can, I, can I ask you an odd question? Sure. Okay, so you were you were playing a female character. I was playing a I was playing a Twilight female. I see that? I've never see I'm not I'm not familiar with that happening in RPGs so much as happening in like uh like Video game RPGs. Yeah, because then it seems like there's a lot of gender gender switching. No, I'm not. I'm not knocking it, but I'm gonna make that absolutely clear. I'm not knocking it. That's the first time I've heard of it, though. None of the none of the groups I ever ran with. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, that's, it, that's kind of it fit the story. I did it in, okay. Um, D &D before. Huh? I totally guys. Yeah. I like what he just did, and he came out with that idea of here's an amazing thing that happened. Has anyone else had anything that's just like an incredible story that they've had happen? Because um, I know actually, I have. I think one of my favorites was, um, I think it was it was a separate vampire game um, that I was playing in, and I remember at one point in time, me and one of the other STs, because I think I was helping do some storytelling, but we were still both actively playing characters, and, it, and we're, we kind of came up with an idea of something really quickly. And I'm like, hey, let's just go over here, and I'm going to start shouting. And it was, this is our characters talking about, we need to do this because we have to set something up. Because um, we were in on a little conspiracy behind the scenes that we were both bad guys in the city, but nobody knew it. We, they thought we were just a part of Always everything Always a conspiracy. Um, so we had this massive shouting match, and one of my other good friends came up to me in game, and I just full-on pushed him right in his shoulder, spun him around, and kept walking, threw my arms up, and every the game stops. And everybody's like, whoa, what the hell just happened? And everybody's... And me and Chris are just keep going and keep playing. And everybody's trying to figure out what's going on, because I completely walked away. And everybody thought <laughs> something major was happening personally. But we just played it up so well. Yeah. 
And it was one of those fun like moments when you can do something in the game where you can get 40 people to stop what they're doing, mm-hmm. focus their attention on two people just to get a story to start rolling, and when they realize the game never stopped, it, you just got to see the game kind of like snowball for the rest of the night nice. into all these weird nice. little things. And it was really cool. You're like, wow, I was a part of that. We, we, this, awesome. we did that. It was really yeah. cool. But it was fun to make everybody think, why are this like Rob and Chris mad at each other and yeah. what just went down? That looked pretty serious. That happened what? with me in that one time, or the, one of the vampire games. It was the one, you were there, it was at, um... It was, one, it was the newer vampire game that they did. Oh, it's the not, weird one. Not card. the new new one. The, oh, yeah, the card one. Oh, yeah, the card system. It was only, I know, yeah. it was a really weird system. <laughs> we'll get into that, like, we'll get into that. We got into, like, a major, because I was playing, like, a bitchy lawyer, um, venture, maybe. Um, Sounds and I was like, sense. yeah. And we were just, like, fucking screaming at each other in the middle of the place. And then, like, the second, like, game drop, we were like, hey, like, totally, you know, unperturbed, but we were like... (laughs) What's the most embarrassing thing you've done in a live RPG? (laughs) Because I'll tell you what, I used to, down in Starkville, there was a group started, uh, it was uh, called Troy. Uh, and they based it off the Nero system with like padded. They had the PVC pipe with the, the padding and you know, okay, the weapons okay. and yeah, yeah. to buffer. Yeah. And the very first time I played, I attacked a group of people that had recently attacked a village. And uh, what I didn't understand at the time, and Fesh realized they weren't actually playing the game. Well, no, no, they were playing the game. <laughs> oh no, we, we had other scary moments. They were actually playing, but in 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 the Troy system, once your character was like, uh, you know, once you've done something and you were like, okay, my character's no longer here. You would raise your hand in yeah, a fist above your head, yeah. and that was yep. the "I'm out of the okay. game." Yep, yep. Well, I didn't know that, so there's like this: an attack on the village, and the attacking group leaves, and then they return, and I don't realize it doesn't click that they're all holding their hands up in a certain way, and I just wade in wailing on people and got quite reprimanded for that. They're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa stop!" Oh. And I was just so because there's like 20 people oh, out here in the yeah, forest, yeah. and I just made the biggest bonehead mistake. <laughs> I think my favorite though is if you ever have props. In a live action game that doesn't have Baffa. And you're walking into like a mate, like if you're playing oh, outside, God, okay. If you're ever playing inside, it, it, it's one thing. But when you're outside amongst the general populace, like which we played the original Vampire game, and a lot of people came dressed in character. And when you're walking around a college and you think you look big and badass when you're like 16 or 17 years old, holding like a big Nerf gun, mm-hmm. then you kind of like go back through the years a little bit and like think of the things <laughs> you've done, and you're like, wow. And I thought I was just something really awesome, but meanwhile, everyone else, everyone else is looking at me like, what a fucking loser. <laughs> those, those interactions are interesting. We were playing a game one night. Uh, they had rented, like, a park space. We had a campfire going, and, you know, everybody's got these long padded sword weapons, and this pickup truck comes by on this dirt road, and the vehicle backfires. And we all hit the ground, and then it takes off squealing. So we're like, "Did we just get shot at? What is going? You know, oh everyone's God, freaking." Yeah. Well, no, the truck comes back. Yeah. They get out of the vehicle. Everybody starts talking, and it turns out that all they saw was us reflecting against a firelight with what they thought were guns, and then their truck backfired, and they thought we were shooting at them, and that's why they took. It was really neat because these were like deep down Mississippi rednecks. Wow. Meeting a group of LARPers. And the the LARPers won? No, no, the ensuing conversation was like mind-opening for everybody that was involved. Because like they came back and they were just like, what the hell happened? And we're like, we don't know. We thought you did something. And they're like, we thought... It was really neat because I think we kind of opened their minds a little bit, you know. Sounds like the plot of a movie. Dude, it was so... I mean... Dude, it was so... Not like we have seen Knights of Badassdom. My God, Knights of Badassdom is so good, though. 
I don't know what that is, but now I want to watch it. Oh my god, it's so good. It's awesome. It has Peter Dinklage in it. Oh, I'm going to watch it. And it's about LARPers. It's phenomenal. It's really goofy. It's like one of those bad movies that you just love. Like, if you've ever been so in a LARP, you can relate to oh, almost yeah. all of it. Well, but yeah, me, me, me and Rob have admitted our embarrassing things. I want to hear from the rest of the table embarrassing live RPG moments. Does anybody live, have any other Live there? RPG? Uh-huh. I, like, I don't really uh, have even, any. Even in a tabletop. If yeah, there's something you get, you're like, and everybody's just looking at me like, what is wrong with you? I mean, the, the, the worst thing that's ever happened to me in, in a LARP was I had my 21st birthday. I was there. And yeah. Every time, every time I lost a challenge, I had to take a shot. And you know, at the beginning of the night, you know, I was just handed this big ass bottle of Sky vodka, and they were like, "Hold this with you. And whenever you lose a challenge, just take a shot." And I'm like, "Okay." I was so go- so far gone, like two hours into it. Uh, I just, I like, I was like, I'm not even playing my character anymore. And people were just like, "Hey, Bill, test Will with me." I'm like, "Fuck." <laughs> I'm gonna lose again, um, but for for like embarrassing moments for for non LARP again from my current Star Wars game, as the pilot, I'm trying to land the ship in the hangar bay of Moss Eisley. Well, landing a ship is not a hard feat. Just roll a fifteen or above. We got perfect, you know, we 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 got clearance to land there, so it was just like okay, yeah, fly in and just you know do your landing, and I was like. I shouldn't have opened my mouth. I said, do I have to roll for it? And the answer was, sure, why not? It's a, si- it's a no. simple test. So it it's was like just if you're a pilot, that's a, that's a normal yeah. skill. I was like, okay, I land the ship and we walk into the canteen yeah. and start drinking. So, Please pass the Mountain Dew and Cheetos. So, and that's, that's yeah. move on. Yeah, with the, with the new Star Wars system, it's a it's a success and, and fail based dice. So you've got to roll you know, difficulty dice against your skill dice. I rolled all my skill dice, which I have like five of in piloting, and I rolled one difficulty dice. There were so many blank spaces on these dice that I did not succeed. I didn't (laughs) fail, but I didn't succeed. And what did I do again the third time it's happened on this ship, just like in Star Wars, the satellite dish, the, 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 the sensor array gets knocked off? I ripped off the sensor array again. Just after we had it repaired. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome! Uh, I like that. I don't actually. I don't have a lot of LARP moments. Like I said, I only LARP twice with tabletop. I have tons of amazing things in tabletop that I think were embarrassing. I don't know if this necessarily counts as embarrassing because I still think it was a cool idea that the dungeon master didn't go with. To embarrass you, but I was I was a very small person. I believe I was a dwarf or a gnome. I was someone very short and we were fighting a giant bat. And in the end, we ended up killing this giant bat and of course they tried to loot the body. There was nothing on it because, well, it's a bat. But I talked to the DM and I said, how big is the bat? And he told me and it was about the same size as me. So I took my knife and I cut the bat down the middle and I pulled out his innards and the DM's going, what are you doing? I said, I'm making myself a bat suit. (laughs) <laughs> so I cut it down, I plopped out its eyes, hollowed out its head, and the DM's letting me do all this, and I put it on. I've got my feet down out through the bottom of it, I've got my head inside its skull looking out its eyes, I've got my arms out in its arms attached to the wings, he's like, you have a bat suit, and I go, awesome motherfucker, bats can fly. <laughs> so, so I decided to jump off a cliff. 
And the DM then informed me that just because I'm in a bat suit does not mean I'm a bat. <laughs> I fell to the bottom of the cliff and sustained a large amount of damage. Actually, cat and then, uh... Um, so, I have one that it's more... I mean, it's probably just embarrassing that I ran the, the tabletop game in and of itself because I really had not read much of the rules. I played, like, one game before, and so I really had no clue how to run a D&D game or any of the... So anyone who like likes rules is not happy with the game. It lasted two sessions. But any, the one person who was completely new to D&D, she loved it. We were just like fucking around. Because I had this whole like... Is that the game know, that Tommy was a naked swordsman? Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> pretty much anytime anyone was sarcastic with me, I answered with a non-sarcastic, sure! And <laughs> so it just kind of unraveled Snow from there. Ball, yeah, because yeah, so, he was being sassy because, like, I had written down, like, so I gave everyone, like, characters to play, and it came up with a setting, and then he just went through and, like, did shenanigans. And in, I guess, like, in the um, character information I wrote, I didn't write clothing or anything like that, so Tommy's like, am I just naked? I'm like, okay, sure. So he was the <laughs> naked swordsman. That is not good from a defensive standpoint. <laughs> yeah, right? And then it was so the, uh, the one girl who had never played before, she got really into her character and, like, drew pictures and stuff, and, like, it was awesome. But, um, and then Brandon was playing, and he, um, and, like, a lot of the people who knew games, like, I think Tim kept kicking down the door for everything. He was playing this, like, nymph chick, and he's like, I'm gonna kick the door down. I'm like, okay! <laughs> I just pretty much let people do whatever the fuck they wanted. And then, like, a couple people kept trying to, like exploit the system, and I'm like, I don't really have a system. Go do what you want. <laughs> now wait, did you, did you make them roll for anything, or did yeah. you just let them do it? No, I, I made them roll for stuff, but I just kind of put it on a, like, roll a dice and I had a number of mine. I just did a basic, really, really basic system. And we really didn't get to the point where we got into fights, so it didn't come up too much. But somebody, didn't somebody roll to get syphilis? No, so, yeah, yeah, he failed. And <laughs> He's failed and got syphilis. Because Tommy started getting chased by all the whores in the town, and yeah. he was the naked swordsman, exactly. and so he started getting chased through the town, and Brandon's like, I'll save you! I'll, I'll step in the way! And I was like, okay, well, you have, like, a horde of horse coming at you. You gotta, like, do an STD check. And so he had to roll, and he failed the roll for the STDs. <laughs> uh, so he, you know, bit uh, the bullet for time. Speaking as a person that once ran a character that had an STD. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, Actually, this is, I think, the same game, because oh, after he brought up the backstory... When he brought up the bat story, I'm like, there's a game that I think four out of the five of us played in that was one of Kenny's D&D games. Yeah. It was a Pathfinder game, and I was playing, who was like the robot? The, the Oh, yeah, the goofy. War, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Warforge. Warforge. So I was playing a Warforge that was built back up from one of the characters in the game, and the, he failed to build me properly. So I was just off. So I just did whatever the hell I wanted to. And Which I had a lot of fun. And I, I resented the guy that built me. And I thought it was a lot of fun to play it up because it would just cause tension between us because he wanted us to actually be a team. And I'm like, okay, let's be a team. Um, but I remember at one point in time, we killed a dragon. And... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. when we're forged, this. and when we're in the dragon fight, my character had spiked arm. And... I decided to go a little off, so I climbed one of the high pillars in the game and swan dove off and tried to make a snow angel in the back of the dragon because I've got spikes all over me. Maybe it'll work. <laughs> um, 
Which I think it did a little damage. It did do some damage, but, <laughs> but what was even better about that game was after the dragon was killed. <laughs> That's what I again, was the about. Warforge. I don't know what your intelligence was, but I don't think it was super no, high. It was, yeah, it was, it was so he high. cut off the feet of the dragon, the head of the dragon, the no, tail of I the dragon. Cut, oh yeah, no, I did that. Yeah, you did. But just the feet, kind yeah. of like shoes. Yeah, and stuck it to his. But spikes. no, you definitely had the head because there was a point where you went back into the town, wearing the head. You put oh, on the head, on. the tail, and the feet, and tried to convince a shop owner that no. you were a dragon. Actually, what I did was we were trying to steal something from the shop. So I was like, I've totally got this covered, guys. Don't worry. You guys go in and I'll cause a distraction. Yeah. So we had a gem or something like that that I was holding, like, in front of my face. So I had, like, the stompy boots on, still so, like, covered in blood. blood. So every time you, like, step down, you can picture the squish and it squirting yeah. out. I had the wings attached to my arms and the dragon head. The rest of it still Warforged body. Probably just soaked in dragon guts. So they're trying to have this serious conversation with this guy that we need to get into his shop in his back room. And I I, 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 I opened the door and I so what just went in like, Rawr, I am a dragon. Yeah. And it got really quiet and I shot a fireball out of a talisman into the side of his shop after like the pause and silence. But it was just kind of like one of those fun, stupid, wonderful moments. Yeah. It's making me remember also from that game, but way before you got to the dragon, when you first entered the town, you went into a church. I did. Oh my God. And in that church, oh, yeah. you did not check to see what deity they prayed to and just picked up a vial of water and poured it onto your head so that you could wear it as a hat. It wasn't until later that he realized that this was a church that prayed to a water goddess and he had just defiled her. So he went close to a lake and a fist came up and punched him in the face. (laughs) And so he thought it was a magical lake. So he looked to the other partner and goes, Go, go check out the lake. So the partner went over, splashed around in the lake, and went, that's eh, pretty refreshing. Oh, I guess it was a one-time thing. Rob walks back over to the lake and punches him again. It took them forever to figure out what happened. I think this was a 15-minute long process. It was brutal. Who was the one who, um, had, who like, had the thing where they had sex with all the dead bodies? Oh, that was me. That, that was, was, that was awesome. awesome. Rob's had some interesting characters. Yeah. In that was no, that was all, that was the same character. That was the was that? I thought that was I yeah. thought that was in a Deadlands game. I, no. You guys, no, you guys forced me to like. Actually, this is a good time to bring up systems because this has, this plays solely onto this system. Hold on. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Because that, that reminds me of actually my most embarrassing moment in RPG Here ever. Here we go. So we were a very small party. There was like three of us. I was this very very attractive looking. Um, like high elf, you know, sorcerer. So I had a I had a charisma of like twenty, and I I was so full of myself. And we were traveling. We had to we had to hide. So we had this wagon that had a false bottom where we could all hide in it. And it was nighttime and it was dark. And for some reason, I was like, my character pleasures himself in the false bottom. <laughs> so what? So. So forever after this game, they're like, okay, Bill, you diddled in the false bottom. <laughs> Just kept bringing it up and up. Every time we'd ever play a D&D game with these people, it was like, Bill, don't diddle in the false bottom, please. You know what? That's fantastic, because that is your character, and that's what your character would do. That's so yeah, good. exactly. Oh God, it was my character. Weird. My character was oh. super attractive and wanted to sleep with anything that he could get his hands on and my party members were just not having it and I was like, I need to relieve some stress here. Well, like I said, when we were talking, we were, 
of like we're about to jump in and discuss a little bit like about some of the systems, but I think what makes a lot of the games that we all play in together is a lot of us love to use the system of when you make your character, everybody goes around the room and gives each uh, each one of our other character uh, somebody else's character a truth, which is I suck at. But it's fantastic. I love oh, that I love aspect of the game. It's so cool. Yeah, right, but let's, let's let's explain this a little bit. Now, all right, Kenny, you're um, a dwarf, and Fesh, you're an elf. Kenny, tell me one thing about Fesh's elf. Fesh's elf, oddly enough, was born with two left feet. Not not in a uh, proverbial. Yes, yeah, literally two left feet, which makes it very very difficult for him to walk in a straight line, let alone run. We've just given Fesh's Elf a truth, and therefore it's going to affect him in the game. He can use it to his advantage to walk barefoot to confuse people and go, why are there two left feet? Is this two people hopping together? What's happening? And the DM can use it to his advantage to say, hey, you're trying to run away from this, but you trip over your feet because you have two left feet. And then I would interject with, yeah, well, your dwarf doesn't like beards. <laughs> and that's the kind of stupid thing, like, I made many, didn't I, there was the one game we played where, uh, so it was like a shape-changing character. Nobody knew he was a shape-changing character, even me. And when I picked the weakness or the trait, I was like, oh, yeah, he can't lie with a straight face. Which completely devastated the ability to play that character. Oh my god! Because that's I shift yeah. and I'm, I'm lying to you because I shifted and it just you know. But I didn't that know it at the so time. Funny. And I, I have this skill of picking traits that are just absolutely crappy to apply, not in a fun manner, just literally make it insanely hard to play that character. I think one of my one of my favorite one of my favorite traits that I've ever seen in any of these games because I've done a lot of these games where we do this. But it was actually one that was given to me by TJ, and it was the meta trait. I oh, was awesome. I was a character. Cool. Yeah. I was a character in the game that thought he was a character in a game. We had this conversation earlier today. So we, we had a blast with it, yeah. and I would I would come to a dragon, and the party would be like, "Oh shit, there's a dragon! What do we do?" And I would run in with my sword above my head, going. It's cool. The DM won't total party kill us. <laughs> and everyone's looking at me going, what are you talking about? What's it's a DM? fucking dragon. So you basically deadpooled it. Yeah. Deadpooled it. Oh, I yeah. did. Oh, yeah. nice. And I would talk about rolling dice, and they're going, what is he talking about rolling dice? Is, that character he had, one of the other truths, because that was the truth given to him by the, by the DM. The truth I think I gave him in that game was he had to sing most of the things he did. <laughs> that was a fun one as well. <laughs> I am running down a hill, down a hill, down a hill. I am running down a hill. Whoops, I tripped. And I tumble down the rest of the hill. Great. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, the truth system is, if, if you're doing characters and you've never done that before, have the DM pick one truth for your character, and then after that, have random players pick a truth for characters. So that's like two to three. Yeah. But it completely changes the game so much. And it's so much fun to do. Um... How about that? Like, any other combat systems or systems and games that people have done that just think are freaking awesome? Based on what you were just saying with that truth idea, that actually spawns into a system that I've only played once, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was actually the storyteller in it, and it was so much fun. It's the fate system. 
And the fate system is what the Dresden system is based Which is on. what we're going to be doing soon. We will be. We have a game set up for Ooh. later next month to play Dresden. But the fate system is the most cooperative storytelling I've ever seen. Because not only do the DM... Not only... I'm sorry. Edit. He's not going to edit it. Sorry, guys. Not only does the DM get to establish the story and what's happening and the environment... But the storytellers, the players, can do the same thing as well. They can spend fate chips to go, you know what, I'm pretty sure that wall is cracked and I'll be able to crash through it. Oh, and wow. they can spend a fate a chip good idea. to do that. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's a great way. And the, and the DM, the person in charge, can offer them fate chips to do things they wouldn't want to do. They can say, hey, I've, I've got this precious sword. It was my mother's sword. You dropped it inside that building that's on fire and is about ready to crash. You might get a lot of uh, pain and suffering if you go in after that sword, but it is your mother's sword. Don't you think you should get it as I hand a fate chip to oh, you? Oh, that's interesting. Now, you have the choice to either accept the fate chip and try and get it and get out not scot-free, or not accept the fate chip and pay me a fate chip to ignore it. Real quick question. You pay the fate chip up front? Yes. Does that fate chip, can that fate chip be utilized within the activity that you're asking the player to do? Because to me, that seems to make it Absolutely. Little, really? Okay. That's you can use the fate chip for whatever you want, but you want to keep those fate chips because well, they are a key point gotcha. in that game. So if you blow it trying to solve the situation, then what was the point? Correct. Gotcha. But the, the gotcha. main thing is the, the idea that not only the storyteller, but all the players themselves get to create this world with you. And they get to design it along with you. It's an amazing system, and I can't wait for everyone else to try it out. Now, speaking speaking though of, of engines, uh, the one thing that I think I didn't like in, in uh, LARPs were overly complex systems. Yeah. Like with Troy, and again, it was based on Nero, which was a which was an you know a LARP involved padding weapons and things like that. You had to keep a, like a running tally in your mind of where your hit points were, what your defense points were. And you called out the damage as you were attacking. Oh, and see, so you had to kind of like try and... That reminds me that of... That kind of sucks. Well, this World of Darkness, like, we were talking about, like, we loved it. It was great. It was such a great so entry point. It's rock, paper, simple. scissors. Mm -hmm. Then you have stat points. It's like, okay, well, I have a six in this and you have a three in this. So yeah, yeah, I... Very simplistic. And, like, you it's you have really simple basic stats. Like, we had little booklets. And, like, when I mean booklets, it was like... You just opened it up and it was a page on the left and a page yeah. on the right. Yeah, that was it. It's a like, piece of paper folded in half. Yeah. yeah, but the guys actually made them look like little booklets. It was nice. Um, but then years later, when those games evolved, they went to like these card systems. Like you have this deck of like ace through ten. You do this. Well, I drew this, and you drew this. Okay, now based on your stats, subtract this, then yeah, times yeah. it by this. When you ask people to do math on the fly that they're not good at math, you especially when you're not. It's not like you're sitting down and have easy access to pen and paper. Like, you're not all at a table. Everyone's yeah. wandering. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, any of those games, like, you're all, you can be wandering in a field, you can be wandering through a house. Trying to nail people down and, like, get a DM for each individual situation Telling like that, people to bring cards, losing cards. is impossible when it used to just be rock, paper, paper scissors. scissors. Like, so much easier. Everyone closed, can handle it by themselves. Like, it was not a big deal. A closed public school. That was the most fun I that ever had. That sounds awesome. It was a Vampire Masquerade game oh that they God, actually rented that's... out an old abandoned high school. Wait, they rented? Yeah, yeah. Why I'm didn't not... they just break what? in? Mm, 
the LARP group was smart enough to realize that the Mississippi Authority would probably not handle them well, uh, <laughs> yeah, would be my guess. But no. But, uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you. The, the trying to... When you're wailing on somebody with a padded weapon, and they're wailing on you, and blocks don't hit, but a hit counts, and I mean, then you're going at it and trying to subtract, add, and then you've got different damages, Eldritch damage, Silver damage, oh the armor you're wearing affects what kind of damage. It, it yeah. got to be... Yeah, almost. I really it takes think, the fun out of it. Well, I think a lot of it was just kind of fluffing the numbers. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody ever was able to run the real map, and they just kind of had a running tally of where they thought they were. And, yeah, exactly. And the so, funny thing is, like, those systems really kind of showed you who were the numbers gamers, who, like, knew stats and how yeah. to, like, work and twist those systems, and the people that were just the hardcore are peers. They wanted to do story-based stuff and move things forward. You really saw those lines in games, like, who were one style, and you would see that style all work on one side, and everybody else that wanted to storytell and do stuff like that would go on the other way, and I thought it really split a lot of this. Speaking of storytelling, has anybody ever played any any um, any LARPs where there was actually a committee that decided the plot of the game? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad that there were other like full ST that. ST groups and stuff like that. Like where they like, would get together and determine how the game was going to advance within certain set parameters. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you know, like they, we, they, they kind did. of they kind of two person. Well, yeah, still, they they kind yeah. of. They know what's going to happen, yeah. and they yeah. know how the story's yeah. going to end that okay. night. Okay. And yeah. the player stories yeah. happen throughout, throughout the... Okay, good. Yeah. And right. that's how it always works. Because I always thought that was a little odd, because it almost seemed like uh, things had been predetermined to a certain point, mm-hmm. and so there wasn't a lot of flexibility in, in what your characters could do. Yeah. Uh, like, I once helped somebody start a civil war amongst a standing army, but, yeah, but it ended up being negated, because they were like, no, you just can't do it, because... This has to go somewhere else. See, now, yeah. I, I completely disagree with that, and that that destroys what I think role-playing games stand for. And part of what I love about role-playing games is that you could do that. You can have... If you have a good DM, a storyteller, the person in charge, then they're going to have their story, but if the players go off the rails and go somewhere else, they're going to be able to just have the balls to say... I'm not doing my story tonight, yeah. and let's just follow this path where the, where the players take us. Yeah, but you, you should be able to do anything. you got to remember what a trouble starter I was in, in LARPs that I didn't attend too, regularly. Though, because so I like I... a little bit more order in the story, too, if it's coming to a really cohesive plot. Like, I know some people plan some really unique plot twists, and so certain things might take it past the confines. So I can understand, like, railroading back a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah bring it back, but... If you have something that would be well worth it, I do think people should be able to pursue their own individual things. But, but sometimes too. But I'm surprised you don't like LARPs because I feel like you would have so much fun in them. There are a lot more people said it was, and there are a lot more for people to just like role play. Part of it is 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 that when I role play, and you guys have role played with me, so you've seen it. I don't traditionally role play the way a lot of people do. Now I watch the the critical the critical role show, yeah. which is a bunch of voice actors and they say everything in their characters' voices and it's great. Yeah. But when I play, I don't do that. I don't talk in a character's voice. I don't use characters' oh, names. You're missing out on I so know. much fun. But I just I have a blast. My main fun is trying to figure out something cool to do in the game. I found a dead uh, king sitting in a throne once. Dead king. And it was just there for ambiance. But I had a bag. So I pulled off a bunch of rotted flesh and threw it in the bag. And the DM, I love him because he let me do stuff like this. He was like, all right, you've got a bag full of dead flesh. 
About an hour into the game later, we come across a room, we hear this gnashing noise, and it's a bunch of, like, orcs eating dinner. So what do I do? Put on <laughs> boots that make me silent, a cloak that makes me invisible, I form the dead flesh into what looks like a meatloaf, and I slip <laughs> it onto the table. And since the orcs don't exactly pass things around nice, they just grab and rip and shove it into their mouths, they ate it. And when we attacked, there were ten orcs in there. Six of them couldn't attack because they were vomiting in the corner. And that's that's what RPGs are about to me. It's not necessarily about the... I I get the idea of playing the character, but I love the idea of the free form. I guarantee you the DM did not think of that when he created that game. But he let me do it, and yeah. that's yeah. what I love about it. Yeah. See, given the right lark, though, I think you could do free form like that, or you do ridiculous stuff, or you know, go down like you know what I mean. There's a lot you can do with the character. That's true. I mean, it's. I mean, has anybody ever done something that has actually stopped the game, where like an ST or after something's like, wait a second, I gotta see if that's feasible. Oh my or, god! Didn't that happen in? Um, there was a change. Like Changeling, Change yeah. where I broke the game for Actually, something. Yeah, like, yeah. we were in a situation where it was a long-running plot, and there was somebody that was running, like, a maze or something like that. And my character had, like, an artifact of some sort that forced people to do what I wanted as long as they wrote it dead. With you that pretty pen. much played, like, a Bruce Wayne character. I kind of did. Yeah. The, the person made me basically play, like, Bruce Wayne, but, like, you know, was Faye. And fought around with a lot of stuff. Like, basically, like, when a certain knight kind of hit him the wrong way, he kind of was like Bruce Wayne to the Joker. So, like, I was like, okay, well, there's this person that runs the base. I'm like, do me a favor. Write this information down about me purchasing this and see if we can make an agreement and I can take over this and you can be free. And the person was like, okay. And I'm like, ah, you decide this. And I was telling the storyteller, and I'm like, this is now mine. This belongs to me. And they're like, shit, this completely shuts down this entire massive plot. Nothing can happen anymore. But she didn't realize it. So, like, they had to go up, and then, like, this whole section of the game was just stalled out for a good, like, hour or yeah, two. Yeah, that's true, like, I was like, in that part of the game, I remember. And we're like, crap, like, but, like, then there's, see, I disagree with that. That's where I think that separates the mediocre storytellers to the from, good ones. Because the, the good ones will go, okay, they never, they never let you know that they weren't prepared for it. They just go, okay, that happens. And they continue okay. on with the story from exactly what would happen in that world. How would it continue from here? And you just yeah. do it. Yeah. Well, there's nothing worse than a game when all of a sudden a storyteller or a DM has to say, whoa, 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 hold on. In the Wayback Machine, this didn't happen, so let's pick up from back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you get a whole bunch of people that are interested in what they're doing, and they now have to be like, I just did this. I got the outcome I wanted to, but now that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've never done that to my players whenever I've been asked um, There actually is one other system that I'm surprised we didn't bring up uh, before. Pathfinder. No. D&D. <laughs> There's a lot of major systems we didn't no. bring up. I'm, I'm talking Dead about lands. I'm talking about like a game system, like for example, like something you want to try. You brought up the fate system, the Jenga. Like, oh yeah, I can't remember what that's called. I don't remember either. But apparently, there's something that people did where there is a die roll that you do. No, and it's not even a die roll. Oh, it's not? It's actually, there's simply a Jenga tower, and we're all familiar with the Jenga tower. Yeah. Three blocks of wood facing one way, three blocks of yeah. wood on top of the other, crisscross the whole way up. You try and pull pieces of wood out of it. That's how you play the Jenga game, and eventually, you pull it out, you drop it on top, and that's how Jenga towers work. Yeah. It's Dread RPG. Dread. Yes. Okay. And it's it's a, supposed to be a horror, kind of a horror-based system. 
Okay. And that's the point of it, is that when you're playing Jenga, not even in Dread, when you're just playing the Jenga game, you've got this little bit of feeling of dread, as it were, when you're pulling out that wooden block, that like, oh man, is it going to fall? Okay, hold your breath. Everyone hold your breath. That's what this system does, because you tell the DM, I want to sneak around the bushes and have these wolves not see me. Okay, so they pull a block from the Jenga tower. And you're sitting there, and you've got that feeling of anticipation, and everyone's holding their breath to see if you can do it. And if you do it successfully, you made it around. If you don't, the tower falls, and something majorly bad happens to you. You rebuild the tower, the DM pulls out a couple random blocks, and you continue on play. It's a very cool system, and if you want to see it played, they do have it on Will Wheaton's Tabletop on YouTube. If you look up Tabletop Dread, you should be able to find it. But it this sounds like a really kind of fun, twisted way. I mean, like, it sounds like we could really honestly go on, on this for quite some time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If we're not careful, this will be the entire evening. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny. Like, we don't have, like, a ton we really were planning on going over tonight, so this is kind of really nice that it yeah. just kind of took off. Um, You're also talking about a game based on stories and storytelling. I've got tons of great stories from, from D&D, from Pathfinder, from all I think this all stuff. all of us have played so many games. Exactly. Actually, we haven't heard from you in a bit. Like, what, how, like is there any other thing for you, like... Is there, like, a specific game type that you like playing more than the others, like, whether it's Pathfinder or, like, you know, you're playing Star Wars, like, you've done... I, I've, I've, I've done it. I've done a lot of things. Um, I really like the Star Wars system, the way it is, right? The new you, system. The new system. As much as there are so many people that, that hate on the dice rolling and, and hate the way the system plays, I can understand that, yeah, this dice need a little bit of tweaking to probably make it a little bit better, but it just... Again, it also throws in that that action of you have a chance to fail at any moment, even though even though you can be very very skilled at something, or you can succeed amazingly at something if you're you know if you're not skilled at all. Um, and it also incorporates a lot of cooperative storytelling, which is something that we we've, we've kind of been you know touching on. And I think that's the way that the new games are, are new RPGs are really moving forward forward with because. D&D used to be very, you know, okay, the DM has his world, he has his plot, this is the way it goes, roll a d20, do you do the thing? Hey, look, I rolled enough dice, I did the thing. This system is, okay, I rolled my dice, didn't quite get exactly the result that I wanted, but this is how I'm doing it. And this is how, you know, those failures are affecting my character. And then the DM says, yeah, okay, that sounds good, and this is how, you know, my enemies react. Uh, you know, and, and especially, and, and most, like, I know I heard it's heard of this in, like, the 7th, uh, 7th C system, where, oh, you know, like, so the heroic fun. character. I mean, you are playing yeah. heroic characters in your game. You yeah. shouldn't be able to be killed by a stray bullet from, you know, random XYZ yeah. pirate or something like that. It's, it's the same kind of thing in Star Wars. You know, you're fighting, you know, you're fighting these, just like, can't even think of like you know little shit things in Star Wars like a ton of mouse droids surround yeah. you. Yeah, you're not going <laughs> to be killed. You're not going to be killed by mouse droids. You're not going to be killed by Ewoks. I don't know. They were cannibals. I would well, punch Ewoks. Ewoks are really I would good punch. at killing. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have that heroic story, and the, and the death system plays into it too. Like unfortunately, the story I was telling earlier, I rolled just exactly enough to have my character instantly die at that moment in the game. Whereas most of the death actually allows you to play out the rest of the either the rest of the encounter or the rest of the session, 
and then have your character, you know, fade away because they've taken, you know, lethal wounds, something like that. You know, I, I can't think of a better way to end this conversation before the break for everybody to go around and say one of their favorite character deaths or ways you've retired a character. Or one that just stands out in your brain a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll start. Go for it. And, and I'll, again, I'll go back to my Twi'lek. Twi'lek female who, who was, you know, initially a, a Jabba slave girl who, you know, decided to overthrow the ship that she was on but then got a little too headstrong and rushed into, you know, the hangar bay, trying to take down the bounty hunter that was trying to capture her, and just slipped on slipped on some coolant, which is key to the rest of our game now. We always ask, is there coolant there? Can we make somebody slip on it? But, you know, died in such an epic manner where, you know, she exploded and there was just twilight guts all over the hangar bay. I think, uh, I'm trying to remember what the game was, but it was Star Wars as well, but the old West End system. And I remember I did something, I can't even remember what I was playing. It was a non-Jedi, so it was nobody Force-sensitive. It was mostly just a group of bounty hunters. And we went up against somebody with a saber at some point. But the best way I can put it is, my character ended up pretty much receiving a lightsaber enema by the end of that. So, uh, really stuck out in my head for a bad way to go in a game. (laughs) I actually am thinking about it and going, you know what, I really didn't have a lot of character deaths, yeah, because usually we... Game, the game ends. Yeah, the, the game would end while your character was still alive. Yeah. But I did have some interesting near-death experiences. One of my favorites being, I played a character who was a wizard gnome. Now, the problem is, he wasn't a real wizard, he was just a gnome that was walking through the forest happened upon uh, some dead wizard that had been killed by a party and took his clothes, cut them up, and formed them into robes that would fit him, not realizing that these robes were magical. So now he had wizard robes that would talk to him that only he could hear and would give him magic powers, although the robe did not like the gnome, so it would constantly give him the wrong magic power just to make him look like an ass. So you played a schizophrenic gnome. Kind of. Yeah. The other party, the rest of the party didn't realize this. I talked to the DM, so they would hear me randomly shout something out, and the DM <laughs> would know I'm talking to my robe, and the rest of the party would be like, what the fuck is wrong with the gnome? <laughs> That's great. But yeah, there were a couple times where I almost died because I went to like cast a fireball, and instead my my robe made me create a bunny that hopped over and like nice. did nothing. That's, that's fun. So I did have some near death experiences because of my robe, which didn't like me. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, I don't. I don't have any any. I played so many throwaway characters. Yeah. I think that was the problem. I, I, I think I remember my one and only time playing Shadowrun and not understanding the system. And I decided, I'm going to play a mage. And they're like, everybody was like, they're the hardest characters to play in this if you don't know this mechanic. And I'm like, okay. And we got in a street fight that went really bad. And it was like probably like going to be a one-off game. But I really didn't know how things work. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to cast you know such and such spell. And everybody looked at me and I'm like, you're fucking kidding. And the DM's like, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. I killed half the party. <laughs> no! Wait, I killed you... most of the people we were fighting, but I also killed half of our party. What's area of effects? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, that was, AOE? That was before I really kind of understood a lot of that stuff, and I'm like, I was like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. Everyone's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. And everyone's like, please God, let this go, okay? And I'm like, Pfft. Oh, beautiful. Oh, no. 
I was also watching Slayers really heavily at the time, so yeah. I was like, I want to make a character like Lena. So oh it worked out that way. Um, it was exactly like Lena. And uh, I think to end on uh, one of my absolute quick favorite moments, it wasn't mine, but uh, uh, our friends Mike and John, uh, who introduced me into a lot of the tabletop, it was, we were playing that uh, Star Wars game together. And uh, throughout the entire game, they kept whispering something to each other when we got to Endgame of what they were going to do. And because um, we always had this joking theory. Of in Star Wars, the only way to become Force Ghost is to die in front of a Skywalker. That was it. Because yeah, episodes yeah. one, two, and three weren't out yet. Good point. Like Ben comes back, he dies in front of Luke. Vader waits until the end of Jedi, where he's like, "Well, Luke's here. I can die now. Everything can be okay." Force Force Ghost. Good. Good point. So the end of the game, which we never got to do, they said they finally told me when the, years later after the game ended, it was like, well, our entire thing was we were in the new, Je- like, the new Jedi Order led by Luke Skywalker. So what they wanted to do at the very last game when we were going to stop was they were going to go to the temple and seek an audience with Luke. And Mike was going to kill John in front of them just to see if they could prove the theory because they were arguing about it apparently in the background of the game the entire time if that's what would actually happen. So, sad we never got to find out what the, the source of that one was, but, uh, it would have been interesting to see. Uh, and with that, I think we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a few. Dungeons and Dragons. Satan's game. Your children, like it or not, are attracted in their weaker years to the occult, and a game like D&D fuels their imagination and makes them feel special while drawing them deeper and deeper into the bowels of El Diablo. This afternoon... The Dead Alewives Watchtower invites you to sit in on an actual gaming session. Observe the previously unobservable as a hidden camera takes you to the inner sanctum of Dungeons and Dragons. Gallstaff, you have entered the door to the north. You are now by yourself, standing in a dark room. The pungent stench of mildew emanates from the wet dungeon walls. They're right next to you. I cast a spell. Where's the Mountain Dew? In the fridge, duh. I want to cast a spell. Can I have a Mountain Dew? Yes, you can have a Mountain Dew. Just go get it. I can cast any of these, right, on the list? Yes, any any of the first level ones. I'm going to get a soda. Anyone want one? Hey, Graham, I'm not in the room, right? What room? I want to cast Magic Missile. The room where he's casting all these spells from. He hasn't cast anything yet. I am, though, if you'd listen. I'm casting Magic Missile. Why are you casting Magic Missile? There's nothing to attack here. I'm attacking the darkness. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, fine. You attack the darkness. There's an elf in front of you. Whoa, that's me, right? He's wearing a, a a brown tunic, and he has gray hair and blue eyes. No, I don't. I have gray eyes. Let me see that sheet. Well, it says I have. Well, it says I have blue, but I decided I wanted gray eyes. Whatever. Okay, you guys can talk to each other now if you want. Hello, hello. I am Gallstaff, Sorcerer of Light. Then how come you had to cast magic missile? <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you guys are being attacked. Do I see that happening? No, you're outside by the tavern. Cool, I get drunk. <sighs> there are there are seven ogres surrounding you. How could they surround us? I had Morgan Titan's magical watchdog cast. No, you didn't. I'm getting 
drunk. Are there any girls there? I totally did. You asked me if I wanted any equipment before this adventure, and I said no. But I need material components for all my spells, so I cast Mordenkainen's faithful watchdog. But you never actually cast it. Roll the dice to see if I'm getting drunk. <sighs> yeah, you are. Are there any girls there? Yeah. I did, though. I completely said when you asked me. No, you didn't. You didn't actually say that you were casting the spell, so now there's ogres, okay? Ogres? Man, I got an ogre slaying knife. It's got a plus nine against ogres. You're not there. You're getting drunk. Okay, but if there's any girls there, I want to do them. There you have it. A frightening look into America's most frightening pastime. Remember that it's not your children's fault that they're being drawn into a satanic world of nightmare. It's their gym teacher's fault for making them feel outcast when they couldn't do one single pull-up. And we're back. So, I know it's been... God, how long has it been since we've been to uh, a, a form of show or a weekend getaway or something? A couple of, couple of months. Maybe yeah, and, and for, for me and Rob, it was just... Too uh, many games. Too many games. But that wasn't that's even like... That wasn't kind of like... Dude, a that's, a, that's a home game. That was like the home game. Yeah, it's a home yeah. game. That doesn't count. Yeah. You didn't sleep there, right? You didn't sleep there. No, no, we, we no, drove back no. every day. Yeah, so yeah, drive back. That's, that's more of a home game. We, we didn't drive. We, we, we drove back. We didn't get super trashed any of those nights. Yeah. So, wait, no, wait, wait. so it was Are really... you telling me that if you lived in Los Angeles and you went to Comic Con, it wouldn't count as a con for you because it's your hometown? If you stay at the hotel, then it's a con. If you were smart, lived in LA, Went during the daytime, then went home to your house to sleep and bathe, and yeah, I wouldn't... That's not a real con story, though. I think the con stories are usually the ones where it's like, hey, it's the Friday night of con. It's technically Saturday morning at 3 a.m., and I've had way too much to drink and don't know where my car keys are. Hopefully everyone yeah. knows what's going on right now, but if not, does someone want to enlighten our listeners to what we are referring to when we say the word con? Are you kidding me? <laughs> you never know who's out there. I, I'd like to think our listeners are a little bit more intelligent than that. My grandmother called. She doesn't get the conversation. Conversation. Oh, that was oh, so <laughs> Thank you, Fesh. <laughs> yes, the bell's here tonight. Finally, I remember Finally, my bell again. And then know. don't use it for most of you know, the show. You know, I just haven't felt like... I've made so many puns leading up to it because I was thinking, oh, you know, I need to get myself back into pun mode. But none of the puns really seem to ring true. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can go through a whole night ringing the bell for other people without making any puns of my own. Ah. Yeah, you could. You could. We're gonna get all angry when we make a pun and you don't ring the bell. It's really, it's really just punishment for me. Okay, never mind. I already broke that rule. <laughs> all right, and that's dead. <laughs> no. Moving on. Uh. So yeah, the uh, next event I really have on the horizon is Steampunk Unlimited in October, but it is a pretty big gap between them. Cause and that's again, that's that's, that's a home game. Yeah, that's that's a twenty minute drive. That's it is a home game, but I look at it. I mean, for me, part of what con withdrawal is is like in certain communities, you just see a lot of similar people. And you run in a lot of similar circles. And that's the only place you see them. And that's, yeah, most of those people don't live in the area or live, you know, like five hours away. And so you see them at conventions, and that's about it. So it's like it turns into a big friend reunion half the time, every Wicked Fair, every Steampunk World's Fair. And you get some crossover with Steampunk Unlimited. Like, you get to see some people, some of the Steampunk community. 
I, I, I guess it's probably going to be different for me next year at Too yeah. Many Games because there I did meet a bunch of people at Too Many That's Games true, this year. Yeah. Like I certainly look forward to going back next year and seeing the guys right. from Card- Cardboard Fortress. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I'd absolutely love to see, you know love to see him again. But again, you know sometimes it's you know, the conventions are where you see people. Yeah, but there's ways like it's kind of funny like when there's the time when you start going to a certain convention. If you go to a, a same show year in and year out. Mm-hmm. You do have conference. Yeah, you, see, you meet all you... the same vendors. There are a lot of people who just go every year. There's also people that may not make it one year, but might go the next year, or you know. And so you'll end up running into a lot of familiar faces, and it just turns into a hey, like every time, like people wander by. Everyone turns Italian. Yes. Yeah. For Canadian. <laughs> hey. 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 See, I don't get con withdrawal. You really? No. Oh my god. I'm but I think it, like, no. I think it's because typically in cons I have this tendency of drinking too much <laughs> and then running around and meeting brand new people all the time. Yeah, and constantly walking that edge of being that guy that nobody likes to see. You know what I mean? Like when I get home from cons, I'm like, whoo, I'm glad I didn't blow that one. You oh, know what I mean? That's that's kind of not, not that I don't have a blast while I'm doing it, but Yeah. It's almost like a release when I get away from a con, more so than a depression period for me. It really is. Really? Yes, no, I'll, I'll, I'll have to inform you of something. Now, granted, I'm not a con person, so I haven't been there at cons with you, and I don't know. But from what you said, whenever the drunk view of it is, man, I'm close to the edge, but not past it, I you're assume. way past yeah, no, probably. it. Probably. <laughs> That's what I mean. Uh, been pl- I mean, I miss, there's a lot of, I made a lot of good friends and a lot of good cons. It's just. I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm always like getting out of a car and going, "Wow, I'm glad that didn't blow up in my face." Oh my <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably that's not so something funny. I should admit to, but that's the truth. I don't. I don't think I suffer the same uh, uh, con depression that, that. See, for me, like I'll drink a little bit, but I always bend, so I'm always working. Yeah. So like, true. I kind of have to monitor the sheer amount because you're, well, you're working. working. Yeah, yeah, I'm working. So Where I'm usually in between. Well, and so far, I mean, really, the cons I've been to, especially with you guys has been, you know, kind of working conventions as well, because yeah. I have to stay, you know, yeah. coherent enough to, to well, actually... Let's be take... honest, the last con that all of us were at and were drinking at, that Friday night, we got pretty fucking well, drunk. Again, but was, it's still, it was... Uh, was, that, was World's Fair? I'd say World's Fair. Okay, yeah. that was the night I got drunk, and then, um... Yeah, just let's just... Yeah. Moving on. But, I mean, it still, it, it still was, for the most part, it was like, okay, let's do all this stuff, stay coherent enough to do all this stuff, and then and then let loose. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's what you do, is like... That's what I do with ending. Like, that Saturday morning, all this bounce back, pretty damn awesome. Yeah, yeah we yeah. did. Sunday was a different story where I was like, Ugh. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I, don't, I don't think I've ever gotten that bad. I think, I think and again, part of it might too... Because you meet your old friends, but what I have fun at cons is... Like, literally exploring and finding pockets that I didn't know of before. Like, oh, wow, here's a new thing that I didn't know was going on. Yeah. Um, Beshko Spelunk. Yeah, Wicked, Wicked, <laughs> doing uh, doing Midnight uh, Legos. I did not know the ball. Yeah, there was... Uh, there was they, 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 see, you yeah. have fun, Kenny. There was just there was somebody... There was this gigantic crate of Legos, and oh then there God. were these people I'd never met before, and we all sat around a table, like, building Lego stuff at 
one thirty in the morning after the ball yeah, pit. Yeah, there was closed. a uh, there that's was an impromptu ball pit that got set up at Wicked that was or not. No, it, it was planned. Was planned. Was planned. The ball but, pit um, was my favorite. The ball, oh, the ball pit. That was good. Oh, so they took a room and they pretty much just um, put. Um, they propped up like three card tables going yeah. the length of the room <laughs> to make a wall. Yeah. yeah. And then filled. And they and filled it with balls, maybe about like two and a half feet tall. And you just throw a whole bunch of drunk people and said, yeah. play in the ball pit. And we're all like, no shoes. No shoes. Uh, I found an earring. Well, what else got, did I find? You got clumped by you got, shoes. You got trampled. I did get, I got <laughs> stepped on. I have video of me getting stepped she on. She had the I shoes in the there, and he was like, you were underneath the balls, and she was like, oh, God. Yeah. That sounds amazing. It, it sounds was. like something I would absolutely love to do, unless there were people peeing in the ball pit. Tell me no, that didn't happen. I don't no. think so. No, there could have been. And I'm good for it. We found. I think you would have fun at events like those because it really is. You would do what Fesh does, which is you just go float. talk to random yeah. people. Dude, and if you feel everyone chats with each other, and like honestly, people just talk. Kenny, if you felt uncomfortable, you could go to the board game room. Oh, and yeah. they had they have a massive board game room. That's all the types of games that we play. They had a King of Tokyo there that was about five times the size of this table. The the figures oh, were they maybe had the giant king of Tokyo. They had like the three feet tall figures, the whole nine, and people were doing that. They were doing a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, so it's kind of like, you know, if you're not staying at the con, yeah, it makes it tricky. But like, when you need that moment to get away, you go back to your room. Like, I'm gonna sit down, and have something to drink, or maybe take a quick nap, and then go back into it. Or you find your home base, and you just go from there. I like bending because people look fun. Yeah. I can just chat with everyone coming walking by. Hi, how's it going? How's it going? I'm curious back on what Rob said where he said when you need a moment to get away, when would you ever need not, a moment to get away? That's not a you or but, me thing, that's an introvert thing. Yeah, well and that's Rob's I'm, like, I need to run away and hide. Me, I'm like, I stay in the booth all day, not because like you know, I'm given opportunities to leave, but I don't because I like talking to people. Because they don't want to leave. I'm like, sure, no, people can just come talk. But, like, the common draw, the, the reason is, like, when you sit down and talk about a show, like, the way that we are talking about it, it makes me just more and more excited for when the next show is coming up. It's yeah. just kind of like, it's been too long. Well, it's just yeah, kind of like, Steampunk Unlimited is a lot of fun, and you definitely get to see a bunch of people, but it is, it is a different experience than a hotel convention. Um, on a cool note, uh, the next uh, hotel convention, well, I just got um, uh, approved for vending at Pin Focus events. Which is going to be in um, Wilmington, I think, or Newcastle, somewhere in Delaware, um, next April. And that is um, Andy's, like. Our friend, Dr. Andy Lang from Circuit 6, that he. It's their first show. Which would be pretty cool. But I mean, like. But, like, you, it's kind of funny, though. Like, you, you said you don't go through the withdrawal, but you said... Not so much. But Ashley the, does. I'm no, Ashley about. does. Yeah, we get, like, bombed. And I get bombed. Yeah. I get kind of, like. Like, I miss being able, because it's the, that type of environment where you can just freely wander around and talk with people and with similar interests isn't super common. And I mean, Especially like, that many people. And most of them are all that, that open-minded, too. Yeah, yeah this is true. I, I, my, mine just stems from, I think, my, my basic antisocial nature. Honestly, like... Oh, no, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would rather not be around people... Probably three out of four times. You I'm know with you I mean? there too, and I, I enjoy the living hell out of it. But I, 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 I kind of store up like yeah. that, like for those events, and then it's like we get to those events, and I'm like, woohoo! Yeah, like let's yeah. have fun for like you know, like 72 hours, and then 
cool. And I can and just go back to and be like, I'll be like, I had a lot of fun and go through the little bit of like post-con depression. I'm like, I missed that. And then at the same time, I'm like, but I don't like a lot of people. Yeah, so yeah. this is actually I okay. I love a lot of people. I totally get them. Yeah. Now, from what everyone's saying, I haven't been to the, the cons like that per se. I've gone to the local cons where you go for the day, but I haven't actually done those weekend excursions, stay at the hotel at the convention center area. Yeah. But from what you're saying, it's reminded me of those times where you hang out with friends and you have an amazing time with friends and you're with them for like vacation for a week or even just a weekend, but you're with them 24-7 yep. and then they disappear and it sucks. Yep. Yes. You, just, you just want people around all yeah, the time and you're like, withdrawal. why are they not here? That's not withdrawal because you're around so many for that weekend, and it's most, for the most part, like, people are really fucking friendly, and so it feels like being around a bunch of friends all weekend, and then you leave, and you're like, oh. And you've never been to a con, but, like, but you've done something like summer camp or something like that, too. It's like, you have all these friends, and you're like, oh my god, I had, like, eight weeks with these people, and then you're like, I don't get to see them for a year. So you, you get know. really excited for the next time yeah. you get to see them. But, so it's kind of like that, like, I can't wait for the next event, just... Just for the sheer, like, you know, reason of getting to hang out with all those people again and just say hi and, you know. I mean, I think the reason that cons there are so more interesting now in my life is because I've gotten older. So to be able to have, you know, 10, 15 people that you're going to spend a seen amount of time with for three days straight, it's not very common when you're, like, in your 30s. Like, it's like they have kids and they have adult responsibilities and this is kind of like... Let's cut loose and we can all have fun together where you could do that a lot in your early 20s and stuff like that. And it's harder and harder as you get older. This is at least you know those people are all going to be there. And yeah. even if it's not people you know, it's all people that have at least similar interests. Something in common, yeah. And you're going to find people that you like and people that you don't like. But ultimately, it's usually more of the positive. Now, how many how many like massive cons have you guys? Because I've never been to one. I think the biggest I've been to is, is Steampunk World's Fair, what, maybe 5,000 okay, people. Yeah. Now I know Dragon Con and New York Comic Con, SDCC. I've never been to Dragon Con or New York. I wonder, okay, has anyone at the table been at a con quite that large? And The biggest one I was at was Otakon. Otakon's huge. Okay, that's a massive convention. Did you have the same con depression leaving something as big as Otakon compared to the smaller events? Yeah, for me, I mean, like, the the one difference, though, and I was talking about this with someone recently, is anime cons are a little different. Yeah, easy. They're a bit different age-wise. Like, I feel like it's a really... The crowd just kind of like age wise stays the same, and the older you get, like, so. Ooh, that's kind of creepy. Well, it's the idea that, like, <laughs> now a lot of the pop, like, people populating Otakon are younger. I mean, you know what I like about Otakon? <laughs> Again, I keep getting a lot earlier. They the same <laughs> And that's, but I mean, like, that's the thing is, um, I think, like, you know, at any of, like, the normal ones we go to, it's a whole mixed bag of ages huge different age range. Like, you will get kids in some, you get, like, you know, grandparents and others, and I mean, like, it's just completely a mixed bag. Whereas, um, I feel like anime conventions, it was amazing when I was a teenager. I went six years in a row. It was every year we enjoyed it. That was our big summer thing. And we would get so excited for it. We would prep, and we would get the post-con depression, because it was, we got to, you know, geek out with all of the you know, people, we didn't really see, like, it was so huge that it was hard to run into, like, similar people, but occasionally you did. And actually, like, it was also so huge that sometimes it, you know, you run into people that you knew from back home but didn't realize were going and stuff like that. 
that happens a lot, but, um... Yeah, I mean, like, I can definitely attest, like, thinking about things, like... Yeah, I, I, I went to Otakon, but I've also, like, last year, um, we covered J1Con, and it was a fun, like, local anime convention, but you definitely walked in there, and I'm like, everybody here looks about half my age. Yeah. And, like, you get a whole bunch of cosplayers and stuff like that, and, like... There's 15, 16 year old kids running around in skimpy clothing, and I'm like, I don't feel right here. <laughs> like, I feel old. I feel really old, and I feel like I'm. I, I, I shouldn't be in this room anymore. Like, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> I, it, but I mean, like, it's also the same mindset that, like, when you get a little bit older, sometimes being around a 15 year old or 16 year old kid screaming, you're like, oh dear God, I need to walk away, and where are the adults? And it's, it's weird to feel that way, because, like, you never think of those things. But, like, being around, like, it's nothing wrong or against a fandom or anything like that, but you do realize it's harder to find what meshes with the age you're at and the level of fun that you're having and stuff like that. Because, again, when you can go to a convention like the ones we're talking about and be like, hey, there can be a 15-year-old kid here or a 16-year-old kid, and you, it, they, everybody melts into a perfect melting pot where you see people of that age, people that are, like, 75 and just having a blast all together, it's it's a really good experience. I think it also all really also depends on how you treat the convention. Because, yeah. you know, speaking from experience, and I went to Otakon for like two to three years. I also went to Shore Levy for a year, but I went with, you know, a different group of people yeah. that, you know, we treated it like, okay, I'm going to this convention, and there's these panels that I want to do, and this that I want to do, and that that I want to do, and went to do it for stuff instead of, oh, I'm going to this con to meet other people that like the same things I do. Yeah. I never got the post-con progression from Otakon or from Shore Leave, but I, I'm sure if I went back to Shore Leave and treated it like the conventions that you know we have been going to, like yeah. Wicked Fair and Steampunk World's Fair, I'd get the same thing. You know, because I... Exactly. It's, going it's, it's the mindset you go people. into a convention. Right. If, like, when we go in to do something like coverage for a show... And that's specifically what they're, we're there for. Like, when we do too many games, you and me, we go in there and we're there on Saturday and we're kind of going through, like, okay, this is the motions we have to do, have to do. These are the people we need to talk to. You're not as much trying to fill the gaps with fun. You're trying to, you're, they're more flooded with work. Yeah, yeah. so. You we still did connect with a number of people and I did, I did feel slightly from too many games. Mm -hmm. But what well, was funny? It was like by the time we hit midday Saturday, we were kind of like, "Oh my god, I'm having a blast!" But the yeah. first part, we we're a little bit, eh, yeah. I'm not sure how we're feeling yet. But like, but we know that show, and the show's a good show. I mean, it's done a great yeah. job growing, yeah. and but like, it's once you kind of like shake off the reasons on why you're there, and then also remember that you're there also too, and you're covering this because this is stuff you like to do, and you dive in, and then you end up like me and Bill, and like. Oh my god, we gotta play pop music for like another like <laughs> as much as we can and yeah. get in line to watch all these other people play yeah. stuff. And it kind of like it reminds you of like I am part of this game. I'm not here just to cover it, but this yeah. is why we're doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of interesting. It's it really depends solely on those things. Well, like what would um, Penny like? I know you haven't really been to too many conventions. Um, what is your perception of it? Like just from. Like one of the reasons I haven't gone to a lot of conventions is because it just hasn't appealed to me, the conventions that I've seen. Now, yeah. granted, I may have a completely wrong perception on this, but a lot of what I had the view of of a convention was from things I've gone to in the area, where you go to a tattoo convention, or you yeah. go to this convention, and it's basically, I'm paying a lot of money 
to walk into a hall where people are going to let me pay money to buy things. You're also a... Just yeah. basic, basically paying money to enter the mall. You're also a stingy bastard. <laughs> it's just, well, why am I going to pay? I can order this shit online no, for half the cost. <laughs> why do I need to pay money for the privilege of paying them money? But, As a fellow stingy bastard, I feel ya. It's why I'm not huge on stuff like, like Wizard World, to be honest. But it's I just the about... It's not there. It's There's about also the ambience. Nah, cause yeah. see, the ambience doesn't work. And the smell work. in the air of 10,000 people <laughs> packed into a tiny place. The ambiance doesn't even that. doesn't even appeal to me because you look at it and I just no one no one debated me on what I just said where it's like going into a mall. Well, I don't I'll like going way. to the mall. Actually, I, I've got a good I don't point. like shopping. I got a good point to this. I mean, if you're going to something like Wizard World and you have no like Wizard World is a fun show, but it's depending on how you're choosing to go into that show. That's the fair. same way we bring it up. We went, it was just like we. Like, well, we had a lot of us dressed up. I was really decked out. I had, like, I did really good zombie makeup. Our friend was dressed up as um, uh, Mad Eye Moody. Yeah. Really great. And we were there kind of like cosplay. So for us, we have people coming up to you who want to take pictures. You know you're adding to the enjoyment of other people's experience, too. So you get a little bit of a rush from that. But the people that are just kind of there with you, like, oh my god, we got to stop again. Mm-hmm. People want to take a photo. I it's like, oh my god, I just want to get to the other side of the room. Like, I love having my photo taken. Yes, because it doesn't happen. But all. the people who aren't. But the people that, that say, for example, like, you're in plain clothes and nobody can care less, and like you just want to go over there, but you want to oh, have the group. Yeah, yeah. You want to go over with the group. Yeah. And when you're that person that you kind of feel like a third wheel constantly, and you're like, oh my god, we went. 50 feet in the last 20 minutes. And then you get to the point where I'm like, guys, uh, just meet me over at this place in like two hours because I just don't want to do this. I have a solution for that. You have a couple of beers and you find midnight Legos. <laughs> there you yeah, go. That's, that's what my you point do. is like some conventions, like, you know, a lot of the Comic Cons are a different breed. It's just a whole different variety. And some people love that because their draw is to go see celebrities. And for me, that's never been my draw for conventions. I like to meet people. I don't care if they're a celebrity or not. Celebrities and are people too. They are people, but yeah. I just I just don't care yeah. if they're a celebrity. But the chance for I just me, want to meet people. Yeah. The chance for me to meet that celebrity and actually have a oh, real yeah, no, one-on-one conversation is like happening. not happening. They, they don't have the time you to do You can pay like a billion yeah. dollars to get your picture taken, uh, which uh, does no appeal to me. Uh, like a regeneration who? Yeah. That one was small enough that, yeah, the the, the, uh, the doctors that were there and doing the autographs and stuff, they were hanging around that's after cool. that shut down. I didn't like, see well, that's but, what's fun. That but there was maybe really 2,000 people at that. Exactly. It was a much smaller yeah. gathering, uh, much more niche. Really you know? yeah. See, now I would take this to equating it to vacation. Because I've talked to a lot of people about vacation. I hate vacations. And it's the idea that. I think a lot of people go on vacations for different reasons. Now, I'm in that fact of people that go on vacation for the activity that you can do. But I know my sister, for example, is one of the people that will go on vacation because of the ambiance and the airs and what she can see and the history of the place she's going to. I don't really care about that. I I don't want to go to the tropical rainforest because of the pretty view. I want to go there because of the zip lining through yeah, the trees. I get you. So when I'm looking at a convention, I don't really care about like, oh, look at all the people and look at all the costumes and the celebrities. I want to do something. That's why the best convention I've gone to was the Unpub. I showed up and play I played games, games yeah, the yeah, entire yeah, I time. I you, you bring up a very, very good point, Kenny, because honestly, what, what is a vacation and what would be 
what would be your ideal vacation if you could inject all of your geekiness into it? Like, what would be your ideal geek vacation? Does it have to be a geek vacation or just it, my yeah, idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably an idea. What is the ultimate geek, geek, geek vacation for each of us? My ultimate geek vacation, oh man, let's see. I'm trying to think because my mind instantly is going towards snowboarding, but that's not in the geek culture, so we're going to go well, outside of it. But you, you geek out about snowboarding. Oh, I like, do. What are, like, the idea of, like, yeah, getting... Yeah, but I want to know what, like, if he has something creative to, like, for, you know, okay. the general geek populace. I'm curious. The idea, and I'm going to steal this. I'm going to steal this from something that that is happening, but I don't know if I'm going to be part of it, was they're having a board game cruise where you go on a cruise and they're going to have a 24-hour board game room. They're going to have oh tournaments. God. They're going to have board game-themed Jeopardy and tournaments. Uh, they're going to have, like you said, the Giant King of Tokyo. They're going to have giant games. They're going to have auctions yeah. of games. It's a whole board game-themed cruise. Now, the idea of it being on a cruise, I could care less about. I don't care that I can look out and see the ocean. Big whoop. I want to see the board that I'm playing the game on. So we could have this entire convention in this room right here, and it would be the same thing for me. All I care about is the activity. Okay. So you, you want, uh, 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 like I said, for you, a vacation board around games. board games. That's awesome. Oh, like, our, our, uh, our extra life, 24 hours, that, that's, that's like an amazing vacation. 24 hours of just playing games. Love it. Then we'll get to that. Definitely, we got some cool stuff to talk about at the end of the show. Though, too. Got mine figured uh, out. Okay, go, go for it. Because I just Googled it. I just <laughs> thought of it, and it does Google not exist. I would like to see a Dune, Frank Herbert's Dune-based convention. And from what I was able to pull off the interwebs, there isn't one. And I think that would okay. be amazing. Yeah, we're talking about creating a convention. No, what would like you people. do, though? Like, think about it as a vacation. Does it, like, for him, his geek... Geek vacation though is a board is the board game cruise. For you to go on vacation, like you're going away for a week, yep. and you can surround it with geeky's things. Where would you go? And what would you do? Like, like first what and would foremost, make it, it would have to be out in like uh, Vegas or Colorado, somewhere hot and dry. Because I mean, it's Dune. We're talking Arrakis. Um, I'd like to see uh, Frank Herbert's kid there. Uh, I'm having trouble remembering his first name. No, I'm being honest. Yeah. No, no, do, it, do, it, do it. You know, get the old actors from the movies, maybe from That's the miniseries, awesome. you know, yeah. uh, authors, people that were influenced by it. I, I think that would be amazing to hang around with a bunch of people that were influenced heavily by Frank Herbert's writing. I mean, maybe not just do it, because there were other other uh, books and series that he wrote. I think that would be an absolute blast. The man was a genius. So uh, that would be that would be my, so, my geeky wet dream. Honestly, so, just well, straight out. Go yeah. for it. Um, I would love to do, so I'm a huge urban fantasy reader, it's probably the most, most of what I read, um, book-wise, and I think instance urban fantasy is usually set in contemporary, you know, um, sections of the world, I think it would be really cool to map out, like, you know, hit Chicago for Dresden, like, Ooh. go to Atlanta for the Kate Daniels series, like, hop around. Do you cosplay the in the locations and Not stuff like that? Well, just for fun but, photos. Could, but I mean, like, I would just love to go to some of the things mentioned, and like, like when I write like different, um, or when I write urban fantasy, I usually try to find actual landmarks, and I love when authors do that because, like, I would love to go to something you mentioned in well, the books, I know. just as a part of the 
Yeah. Like, there was there was a manuscript that you wrote that was one of your urban fantasy that you did, and we went. There was a park in that, and you and me it's actually yeah. went to that park for so our anniversary. That, yeah. And you actually used that stuff specifically because you're like, I wrote about this. I want to see it and have it tend- tendentially in your brain. That would be really cool. How about you, Bill? I I'm I'm trying to come up with it and. Uh, the best thing I can come up with right now is going to actually see the world's event of uh, League of Legends, like the the international, oh, the international. Cool. That, that was know. just what, that? that was just this past week in Vegas, right? No, no, that was just the. Was the, that was the, that was that Dota? That, that might have been Dota. Oh, it was the Dota. It was the Dota International. I know uh, League of Legends is having their their League uh, Summer Split series, which will actually lead to kind of world semifinals and then leads to the world finals um, because, you know, again, there'd be so many so many league players there, there's so many league, you know, streamers, you know, YouTube personalities. My favorite YouTube personality right now, Spazzy, would be there. Um, and I'd, I'd love to just, you know, hang around all these people, talk to them about the game, and, and then watch, you know, these professional players play for all the marbles. Uh, and then obviously... Because it, it, you know, it would just be—it is just one kind of giant party that's happening, you know, all around, you know, the the tournament games that happen. That's awesome. Uh, and that's really the only thing I can think of right now. I mean, go for it. Another one that I, you might sit there and go. Now, Bill might also go. This is pretty cool too. I think everyone might. The idea of true dungeon. I would love to play true dungeon. What is that? Really? Explain. Wait, no, I, I've never oh, heard of I'm this. the only one that knows True Dungeon? Yep. yep. Oh, okay. Well, let me explain True Dungeon to you then. It is at, uh, oh man, I can't think of which conventions it's at. So one of the conventions, they take a huge, huge area, like the size of maybe three gymnasiums, and they convert them into dungeon rooms. And you have a party, and when you go in, one of your parties is the rogue, and one of your parties is the fighter, and everyone has these stats and special tokens that they can use. And you go into your room, and each room you go into, there's a challenge that has to be met. Now, it, the whole room is done up like a dungeon that you're in, and you need to get through this locked door so things will pop out of the walls, and you need to catch the things and put them in the right part. And if you do it wrong, you die. And if you do it correct, the door opens and you go to the next room and they'll have a giant, and I mean like a 30 foot tall, huge, like troll, and it'll be animated and kind of move around a little bit and it's threatening you and you need to like fight the trolls so the fighter has to go in and do this game, which is a dexterity game that involves flicking, and while he's doing it, the rogue has to play like an operation style game, we all know the game operation, and pull things out, but under a time constraint. And that's how the rogue picks the lock. And it's all this amazing going through these completely elaborate setups like you're living in RPG. That's pretty cool. Can, can I wear a still suit? <laughs> yes. Sure. Yes, you can. I'm on board. <laughs> I really yeah. want to know what a still suit is. I gotta it's ask. from Dude. It's okay. Dude. Oh, okay. Have you never seen Doom? I, I saw it when I was like five. There's a new cut of that out there recently. There's yeah, uh, there was a fan cut where they added. Don't kill me. I, I want to sit down and watch that yeah. when I get some time. Honestly, um, you know, for me, like, I, I, I've got kind of two sort of. I've got a one that's completely unrealistic, and then I've got one that's a realistic. One. Go okay, for like, it. I think I'd be. I forget exactly where it is. I want to say it's there's one out in Chicago and there's one out in Nevada. There's like a pinball, like basically 
place that's got almost every table that's really working well. Like, it's kind of like the collection of everything. Right. And just to be able to dive in there and just kind of go through the legacy of Pinball and stuff like that. Just, never get yeah, yeah you say, probably would. Dude, so that's my realistic, right? Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my realistic one of being able to, like, get my chance to get my hands on these old machines that, like, I've only played, like, small versions of, like, or virtual, like, like ones, and uh, be able to go through and have fun. Just don't pin yourself down to one thing. I know. Uh, that's terrible. And may I suggest one thing that uh, I think we could all actually do. It's something that I know Rob's been part of. I'm not sure if you guys have been part of it as well. The game Assassin. Yeah. To actually play a game of Assassin, oh my God. which I haven't done since like college. Oh yeah, wow. yeah. No, I'm I've got I've got the Steve Jackson book. We yeah, play yeah. this. I never played it. I was aware Every, of it. Everyone gets a person that they're assigned to kill. It is you have to kill them. There's only one problem in today's world of overreactive <laughs> police officers. We're gonna have to figure out how not to do it in public. No, because that was one of the things. It was always, if you shot yeah. someone, if you killed someone in public, you were basically taken out of the game because you could be yeah. identified and you would be put yeah. in jail. Yeah. So oh. you had to be sneaky when oh. you killed yeah. them. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. So Poisons, Poisons was a favorite so, thing. So yeah. hold on, off track for a little bit. Sure. Um, get back on track, okay. Rob. So with your unrealistic one. Okay. But also involve probably Las Vegas again, but for a different reason, because one of the main locales is I'm just going to teleport something else then. So, years and years ago, when I first went to Vegas, which was like year two, like, it was like 2000, I think. Uh, I was there for a Rocky Horror Con, and my friends were like, we got to go over to MGM Grand, because there's a really awesome thing we have to do. I'm like, okay, okay, cool. So, I get over there, and like, and we went on the Star Trek experience, which is a ride. But the Star Trek experience was very interesting, because it wasn't just like going on a ride. You walk into a room... And they're like, okay, you, they put you in the little cattle chutes, like, or like, you watch the little, like, TV monitors, like, okay, when the ride starts, like I said, the doors will open, blah, 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 step in, go through there. And when that whole thing started, what was really awesome about it was, as that video is playing, the video screen's flickering, and all of a sudden the lights of the room completely go out, like, everything goes pitch black. And you hear this massive, like, bang in the room, and you are hit with this massive gust of air, and lights shoot across the room really quick, and the lights come back up, and you're not in that room anymore. You are standing on a teleporter pad, and there is an engineer in front of you, and he says, guys, we're really starting to do this to you, please follow us, everything will be okay. And there's everybody in Star Trek uniforms for the full nine, and they walk you down the hallways, and they put you on a turbo lift, and they simulate you on a turbo lift, and you walk out onto the bridge, and you see uh, William Riker come up on screen and said, this is what's going on, and then you go on. And it's one of those, like, you sit down in the chairs, the motion chairs with the screen and all this stuff, and then, you know, the end of it, you crash into the MGM Grand. And then the door of the thing opens up, and it's like, you're in the basement of the MGM Grand, and there's a guy pushing around, like, you know, a mop, and it's kind of, like, dressed up as a maintenance worker, and be like, guys, you're not supposed to be down here. What, what are you doing down here? Blah, 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 blah. And it fits along with the story. It's really cool. It's like a good 20, 30-minute experience. It wasn't like a five-minute ride and you wanted done and you're just over with it. But when you walked out of that, you walked into a full replica of Quark's Bar in Deep Space Nine. Oh, nice. 100% people in full Ferengi stuff, all the drinks and food are meshed up with this. Wow. What I would want to do is have that ride take hardcore Star Trek fans and some of the actors from Star Trek from throughout the years 
and put them in there. Quark's bar is going to be the central point. Next to that, take actors from Star Wars <laughs> and the Star Tours ride and hardcore Star Wars fans and try to incite a brawl. Oh. <laughs> Rob, Rob, I can, I can only get so erect right now. Have everybody awesome. know at the bar point of Quark's bar and try to start a war between the Star Wars fans amazing. and the Star Trek fans with actors involved and see what goes wrong. And just sit back and watch, and that's the ultimate geek vacation. Yeah, that yes. Because cool. the Star Wars ride is pretty much the same style ride, huh? but it's just a ride experience. You miss that whole other bit, but yeah, it's kind of awesome. awesome. That would be but you have those two places That's interconnect with a line of the Star Trek ride, and when you get off, dumps you back into Quark's party, and you're like, why the fuck are we here? <laughs> so you get those old purists that are like, you can only like one! <laughs> and uh, I think that would be... that would be yeah. That's like starting the apocalypse. It really is. <laughs> um, MFK? No. No, no. We're, we're not quite there yet. Yay! Um, actually, the, funny, the reason I brought up the apocalypse yeah, too. And it's kind of funny you brought up, like, Dune and stuff like that tonight. Um, one of the weird things I was thinking of um, randomly throughout our, our work day was if there was an apocalypse, and it was in our time, because we've been looking at a lot of, you and me, like, me and Fesh have been talking about a lot of weird, horrendous things that are happening between government crap yeah, and yeah. collapse of things and whatnot. Militias and all kinds yeah. of other crazy. But if there was an apocalypse uh-huh. in, like, tomorrow, what is the type of apocalypse that we would want to live through? It could be as crazy as AI taking sentience and things going running amok, or power going out or whatnot. Revolution! Power going out. Power going out. I want no electricity that can revolution. None? Awesome. But what do you want the world How to be I like? How would I want to update Facebook? <laughs> what would you want the world to be like, though? Because, like, like you... Like in revolution. I don't okay. think I there's a good Where it, like, it's pretty much... The revolution hall was really fascinating because, like, all the power went out, and so everyone, like, had to live in this, like, it felt like almost Wild West. Like, people had oh, to progress to, you know, yeah, like, militias would start off and things like, you know, people would seize power, but, like, you know, everyone just had to, like, try to relearn old skills, and people who, like, had all this, like, knowledge and prowess and electronics were kind of fucked. You are useless, Mr. Science Man. No bearing here, you know. But um, it was really like the show was beautiful. And like that concept. And it is, it. You know what? Yeah, pretty much. Because that's actually what would probably happen. They would start developing things from yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, they had to use like old locomotive trains and stuff. So it is very kind of reminding me of that steampunk aesthetic. But, um, it would, yeah, it would really create like an actual the, real steampunk movement that would be realistic, and people are like, how do we make this power yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. People would be trying to power like things that they used to be able to use, but using different methods. So it would be very innovative. Man, I think it would be really cool. I'm just cool. thinking of all the non-powered dildos out there. <laughs> what a terrible world you have. <laughs> well, no, they're vibrators. Now they're just dildos. Ah, oh, yeah. fair Thank you. You corrected my incorrect term there. I don't really... See, I don't like to think of apocalypses. Oh. Any, no, because they're terrible things. They're an absolute but if you had, if what happened tomorrow, what would be the one that you want oh, to deal shit. with? First you would be the most, like... That you most comfortable where, Yeah, what would your, like, skill set be like? You know what? I can jump in here. Because, like, the thing is, I know how to make stuff from scratch. I know how to do canning. I know how to make things from scratch. I know how to identify herbs. I, you know, have a... So, like, if we were to go back, you know, to no electricity... My skill? I'd be 
my skill would be not noticeably soiling myself when I died on the first day of the fucking apocalypse. <laughs> That's why you wear the brown pants. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why I wear the back to Deadpool. Um, man, that's a good... I get alien invasion? I'm all for alien, but I don't want, like, super advanced alien invasion. Yeah. I want to, like, knife fight the street alien invasion. So, like, kind of like they live. Well, but but there's an equal chance. I hate I hate apoc- or, or alien invasion movies where it's like, Oh, the alien race is so advanced, but luckily we coughed on them and they died. No, F that. I want them to just yeah. be like a random... Brutal motherfuckers that come down and be like, you, just what is your purpose in bunch life? bunch of hit this. aliens. That's stupid. Yeah. Right? Walking around, chewing on their corn like cobs and shooting their, their broken-ass laser weapons around. No advantage. That I think I'd be okay with. That would be a good apocalypse. So you wouldn't feel bad about so killing aliens? This is the idea that I got from yours. Aliens on corn cob pipes. So it's everybody in the Midwest that's ever been abducted all comes back at once. Yes. And that's exactly what <laughs> that's you're that, thinking. Yeah, but they're changed. They're no longer human, so I don't have to feel bad about shooting them. B-movie <laughs> oh, God, yes. That's yes. never been done. Patent pending. Patent yes. pending. <laughs> <laughs> this can never be aired until we get the funding together. That's true. Ah, that, see, I could get in on what. Bill, what do you think? Uh. Honestly, you know, I, I couldn't go with the normal uh, let's power down all of our electronics, you know, type of apocalypse because I'm too well versed in electronics. I have no actionable skills. You become a food source. Exactly. And, and I'm a very good, very cute food source. I could feed a lot of people for a long time. Um, I, I think I think my my personal apocalypse would have to be some sort of Cthulian demonic apocalypse where demons start to rise up from the deep and we have to put together all of our technology and come together as a society to actually you know try to even possibly even rediscover you know ancient magics that we can use to I fight the demons. I welcome our tentacle overlords. <laughs> and roll all the dice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I see. I, I, I foresee myself dying in the first day of that one too. I'd be like, you look at the cute little oh, puppy. God, oh, crunch. I fully, I fully accept the fact that if any apocalypse happens, I'm probably dying on the first day. The Lovecraftian apocalypse is that's probably would be pretty fucking terrifying. Exactly. Man. The the living will be our envious. Own, of the our dead. only chance is a Pacific Rim style ending for our future. God, would we just like shove them back into the sea and build a wall? I hope so. Oh. <laughs> they're always coming after us, like like Attack on Titan style. Like they're always coming. They're always advancing. No wall we ever build will ever be high enough. Which was my runner-up geek vacation extravaganza <laughs> idea. Attack on Titan. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. I don't want to break the flow. <laughs> Uh, do I get to just use the word snoo snoo? <laughs> <laughs> Does that count? What an enjoyable well, an apocalypse of Amazonian women that are here only to have sex with you. That's the only reason they're here. They're hey, here to have sex with men. If we can't get the uh, the uh, funding for my movie idea. Is that, yeah, does, does that count as an apocalypse? All right, because we even brought it up before a break, we have to say lines. If you're going to bring that up, you have to do it. So The... Flesh is, or the spirit is willing, but the flesh, flesh is, is bruised and spongy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be a great. You know what? I could see myself 
Dying rather, go, that's a good way to go. Yeah. yeah but it's better that's than my face pulled off my tentacles. That's what I was thinking. I was actually trying cat, to think of the best way to go. Cat being of the smaller Amazonian race, she can be the mind behind Ken Future. Oh, there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, my, my mind was also going to the idea of, okay, what is an apocalypse? An apocalypse is basically the wipeout of 90% of the world. So I guess one of my apocalypses that I would go with is the complete and utter destruction of everything except Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) And I will be okay with that one because I live in Pennsylvania. Plus we have Amish. So the Amish would take us in. They would show us how to live. We they'd would be, be okay. They'd be if awfully I, good in your world. They would be world. great. Yeah. We'd be in a prime location but in we, revolution style. We'd have to go to church once every two weeks. If raise I have a to, barn on Monday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to choose one <laughs> apocalypse, I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's a good apocalypse, dude. I like your apocalypse. But we'd still have shady maple. Mm. Oh, we would. We would still have the smorgasbord. Oh, granted, their price is probably raised beyond twelve ninety five. If, if money was even a thing, oh, we'd probably have to get in with the barter system. Uh, I can't really do that. I'll barter soap. Yeah, I'll barter tea. I will grow things. Damn it! I'll barter. No, no, no so many. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, remember, we we don't know how to to have green thumbs. We kill everything that we put outside. I'm good at growing things, so I would be fine. The only thing I would ask is that I'm not part of Fesh's little death mountain. But no, 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 no. Oh, I hear space banjos. Does <laughs> anyone else hear space banjos? You know what I hear? I hear your video game people dying because you didn't supply them with water and food. Look, Fallout Shelter is a very complicated game, and all of my people are suffering because of that fact. I think my apocalypse has got to be. I'm going to bring it back to Futurama, because this pop- yeah. may sound familiar to a very recent movie, but um, video games coming to life mm. and trying to take over, and I'm pleased to try to pretend Pixels doesn't exist. But they did it well in Futurama, so it can be done. They did it so well in Futurama. Because, like I said... And that they is, Rush. That's that one of my, so that's one of my skills. That. Like, one of my skills is... I'm, good at, I'm pretty good at games. I'm not great, but I'm, I can hold my own. But I could never get that last guy! Uh, <laughs> I could never find the blue key. But beyond that, if not, I would go to Cats because I could try to pretend to be the trophy husband. Midwestern <laughs> <laughs> aliens! Yeah, no, really? no, no. Really? No, I want you to do some homework and watch a movie called Undead. I'll lend it to you. Undead? It's a movie okay. called uh, by the Sparrow Brothers. It's Aliens Come Down. And they slowly are accidentally turning people into zombies, but it's in a midwestern town, so everything looks really fucked up and kind of hickish. We can shit in trenches. I've done that. Yes, we could probably shit in trenches and feshes already. You guys do not know my bathroom habits at home, apparently. (laughs) My apocalypse. My apocalypse. Oh, and we can raid my dad's guns, and then Mm. we can go and hunt all of the beasts. He can teach us how to skin them and properly butcher them, so we can then cook our own meat, we can kind of build a fire. we got to find someone who's better at that. Alien smoking <laughs> corn cob pipes. <laughs> Just envision that. In coveralls? <laughs> they probably need four straps because of two heads. <sighs> and as long as we have, like, vinegar and baking soda and things like that, I think we'll go back. I'm going to make you squeal like a gizgal. Come on! Scream like a Gizgall! I don't even know what a Gizgall is. <laughs> In my future, all you need is quarters to survive. This is so. That is. Uh, 
fine points, Sal. And speaking of video games... Exactly. So... Transition, transition. Exactly. So as we wrap up the show, before we get into the MFK, there's one thing we do need to quickly discuss, which is in three short months... Dum-dum-dum. Actually, less than three short months yeah. at this point. Extra Life for 2015 will be upon us, So, which is November 7th. So very, very soon, we will be uh, all registering. We'll have a page up on the website for you to look at everybody that's playing. Um, you can help kind of kick in to the charity. If you're not familiar with Extra Life, if you haven't heard this, uh, or us, or seen us, pivot this in the past, Children, uh, Children's Miracle Network is the main uh, cause for Extra Life. That's pretty much all these children's hospitals out there that are all non-profit. The reason that we're doing this is it's kind of like a walk We get people to help sponsor us as we play video games for 24 hours, uh, which is not as easy as it no, sounds. No, video games, board games. Um, and uh, basically as we go through the day, um, we're playing games for the sole purpose of for the kids. Yeah. We're doing it for the kids because the money that we're raising is going directly into the hands of those hospitals. And uh, we're going to be sponsoring Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, CHOP, like we have the last few years. Um, I know everybody at this table is going to be partaking in some way, shape, or form. I know Kat will be in and out and helping support us and keep us going. And the four of us, we know, will definitely be in for the long haul, uh, like we have the last few years. And um, a Texas catheter and two liters of Mountain Dew. This is going to happen. Two liters? You're going to probably get through six. Okay. But the one cool thing to uh, to remind people of with Extra Life, there's a lot of charities that are out there that um, take a little off the top to help support the charity and keep it, and to keep them going. Extra Life does not do that at all. Extra Life is purely every cent that you give, if you give it to any of our players, it will go directly to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia at the end of it. Last year, I think our small group just here um, that played in this house raised close to $1,500 just for CHOP, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and this year, I'm really, really happy to state that we do have um, uh, a little bit of uh, backing from... Corporate, uh, backing. corporate backing. Corporate yeah. uh, backing. Our uh, company that me and Fresh both work for, I'm not going to say the name, uh, but uh, have been nice enough to uh, throw some money at us for the charity Very because generous. they really believe in what we're doing. Um, but make sure, just keep this in your mind, make sure if you see a status from Caffeine Crew... Uh, in the next couple months, which is going to probably start coming very quickly yeah. and very soon, we start. Yeah. Um, please take a take a look at that link. Take a look at the players there. Look at their goals. Try to help out. Even a dollar yeah. will help us greatly, and it's going to a really amazing cause. But this year, we're doing something really, really awesome. If you listen to the last episode, you heard of when we were talking about our dream projects. Um, a dream project of mine that I'm doing was really specifically because of extra. Uh, I'm building an arcade cabinet. And uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, a couple of us were hanging out, and we decided to make this really fun for the people that are playing this year. And uh, we decided it would be cool to do an old-school video game tournament. And uh, we came up with some pretty cool ideas, I think. Uh, I know Kenny was a big mind behind this originally, and saying, let's do this, let's do something different. Um, we want to do something this year, and actually, last year we had a blast, it was a lot of fun, we got a lot of people together, we played some games, and... That's basically what it was. And it was fun. But we want to take it to the next level this year. So what we want to do is actually create a tournament throughout the course of the night. We're going to have video games. We're going to have board games. We're going to have all sorts of things that each member that plays in this house for Extra Life is going to have the opportunity to compete in. 
Now, you can get points for first, second, and third place, and whoever has acquired the most points at the end of the night, we're going to have something special. Uh, I think we're going to have some money being donated to the charity in their yeah. name. We may actually have uh, some special prizes for them to take home with them. But we've got some very, very cool oh, things happening. Real quick, let me dive in. When we said money being donated, what we're doing is each of the players that are going to be playing uh, are all going to throw in at least five bucks. And we're creating a prize pool. So whoever walks out of this at the end, that is number one. All that money is going to go and get donated to that person's extra. So no matter what you do, whoever we back, that money's still going to go to CHOP. But it's going to be done in that person's name. Um, and we want to make sure that people are well aware of that. So, again, it, even if you pitch in somebody's goal or somebody's over the goal, we're doing this just because it's a really good feeling to do for somebody that says, hey, you know, they won the tournament, and they, but they can also walk away and says, because of that, though, $75 in my name went to Children's Hospital Philadelphia. Absolutely. And the way that you're going to win it is we've got a lot of different challenges just to give you a flavor for some of them. We've got speed challenges for Sonic the Hedgehog. We've got how far can you get in Centipede, Miss Pac-Man, F-Zero, Contra, Mario 3. We've got lots of different challenges that are going to go on. That's all going to happen during Extra Life, and I'm sure we'll have some updates for you during that, including a very special not for points, but for fun version of Snake Oil. We will expect to be recording that. Hopefully we won't forget. We're planning on doing it in like the 23rd hour or we're something. Gonna, we're going to do it in when we're all very punch drunk. So we're going to get all the players in the room together. We're going to definitely, like, not, the video won't be up the night of Extra Life, but you'll, I'm sure, you'll see some very interesting tweets from the Caffeine crew. But uh, hopefully a couple days right after Extra Life, there'll be a video up of everybody at the 23rd hour um, all gathering around playing a game of Snake now keep in mind that Snake Oil is one of those games that when people watch it played normally, they end up laughing. Even the people that aren't playing the game, they're just watching, they are falling down laughing. And that is with people that are in their right minds. After we've been awake for 20, 30 hours, and we've been sustaining ourselves on Skittles and Mountain Dew, it's going to be an interesting, Actually, interesting really experience. Quick, Bill, um, yeah. you know Snake Oil. Can you explain to people that have never heard of that game what that is? Okay, so Snake Oil... Um, if you don't know what snake oil is, or what it historically was, snake oil was the, I'm going to cure all of your ills. You know, I'm going to sell you this thing that's going to, you know, grow hair on your head again. It's going to cure your tuberculosis. People, you know, hucksters used to go out and sell this in the wild, wild west and say, hey, you know, this is, this is everything that you need. Uh, snake oil takes that concept and kind of converts it into a game that everyone can play. One person is the judge, like a la, you know, apples to apples, cards against humanity, things like that. But the judge is a little bit different. The judge is a little bit different. They pull a card that is a type of person. Like so a zombie. A zombie or a school kid or Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Professional wrestler. Yeah. So you have all these kind of, you know, different types of people. And the people who are trying to sell the product have a hand of cards. That hand of cards, each card has one word on it. Uh, you have to take two of those cards, combine them into a product product of your choice, and become the best Billy Maze that you could ever be, and pitch that product to your heart's content to the person you're trying to sell it to. And then they get to pick whatever product they would like to quote, buy, and then 
It could be person. a really amazing smart product, or it could be a product like one of the ones I played when somebody had a, the judge had a card hippie. I tried to, I had in my hand of seven cards, both socks and pool. So I said, pool socks from the maker of aqua socks. They're just like aqua socks. <laughs> and that was my pitch, and that's my idea. And Kenny can dive in with, oh, we've had a lot of different things. <laughs> I'm going to claim right now that I'm going to be one of the contenders to win this game, even after having been out. Now, most of these people stay, they take naps. Normally, I'm stupid. And I won't take a nap. And you work the day before, so you're up for 40 hours. No, the day of. (laughs) I'll work the the day it starts. Then I'll host an event. Last year, I hosted an event in Manion, Philadelphia, at a bunch of bars, and then came straight to this. So by the time Extra Life was over, I'd been up for 46, 47 hours, something like that. I'm probably going to be dumb and do that again. Even still, I'm claiming dominance on this game. Um, maybe, I'm going. I'm going to be in the top three. Maybe what we'll do this year is start before we start extra life. We kind of have a pre rally beforehand of uh, like a ten o'clock meet up on that Friday night because we always are weird and we always do midnight Saturday morning to midnight the next day. And uh, so we meet up about ten o'clock. And I think this year what we should do because we're doing snake oil is kind of do like a pre fight video for each contestant. Of their little quick smackdown talk of what they're going to do and how they're going to win snake oil at the end of the night. So we can cut that together for the end of the night and everybody can see how horrendous we look after 24 hours and in front of video game screens and rolling dice and see everybody can see how awful well, I was wondering, man, do you want to, we should probably record some of the games, I think. I think, I think uh, we'll try to get a little, a little, little, little video stuff, yeah, up, uh, at least of uh, the championships in front of the arcade machine. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that might be a neat idea. Some pe- other people outside, if you want to see the the insanity that it is. But I'm sure I know between the four of us, I'm sure I think we have at least another four people that are definitely in, and hopefully maybe we'll, we might have another two or three. I foresee it growing bigger than probably um, handled. So, like you said, we're, we're really looking forward to this year. And again, that's November seventh. This is the not the last plug you'll be hearing on the podcast. No, As the podcast lead into uh, November, you'll be hearing us talk more and more about this. Um, it's very important to us. Speaking of plugs. I'm going to jump in and move the curious project. So next month, so by the, probably by the time the next podcast rolls, the Curiouser book will be out. Um, it should hit Amazon. Nice. So it's a project a bunch of us did earlier in the year. Both of our caffeine crews, photographers, Ashley and Trisha did it. It's, um, what was it? You were in it. Oh, yeah. Your smell. <laughs> yeah. And, um... We pretty much did a, an invented Take of Alice in Wonderland, and so the book is just a big, awesome, creative collaboration from a bunch of packing crew minds. It featured poetry from me and another of our writers, and um, yeah, it's going to be really, really cool. I can't wait to be putting like some of the photos up on the site. This should be on every copy so table out cool. there. It, really it should, should be. be. Yeah. It's beautiful. Like, we had the perfect day it was in the, the, the park that it was shot. It was absolutely beautiful. The yeah. costumes were so The costumes on. turned out so yeah. cool. They were so creative. And we did it on such a shoestring budget. Like, yeah. we went to Goodwill and, like, you actually didn't Big ups to Goodwill, Pobble. by the way. Oh, yeah. Big ups. We cobbled together, like, all these weird costumes, and just everyone did a great job. It was, it just turned out perfectly. I feel like Hey, Caffeine Crew fans, are you guys tired of hearing us talk about all the things that we're doing? Well, tough shit, because we're going to talk about more. 
We have a game that will be hopefully available in the next couple months called Thursday the 13th. It's a card game that's coming out for you to play. A quick and simple game where you get to stab your friends in the back or, actually more to the point, throw them to the monster. That's right. It's a game about surviving a night with a famous monster stalking you. You don't know who it is. You'll find out during the course of the game, and you'll find out how to kill them during the game. But and more important... Survive. More important to your survival is that you don't have to run the fastest. You just have to run faster than the next guy. Kill your friends. Survive the night. That hopefully should be coming out within the next couple months from Caffeine Crew. Yay! And with all that out of the way, we're going to end the show the way we end every other show, with the MFK. And tonight, I know I'm going to make at least four of us very happy and confuse the other one. Tonight we're doing Archer. Um, can, can, I, can I point out for the record that they completely poo-pooed my idea of doing an MFK around Republican presidential <laughs> candidates? Continue. I just wanted to point out that would have been horrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, and given our listeners if you so want, many wonderful you can, ideas, you can record your own side episode that I will not upload oh to our server. <laughs> Um, oh my god, yeah, let's just have Fesh's rambling. We could, we can just, we'll throw it up, we'll, we'll give you an MFK of, of candidates, and you can put it up on our YouTube page that needs a little love. Oh my god, that would be horrendous. So, so the MFK tonight is we're going to tackle the, the animated show Archer, and tonight we figured we'd pick from three interesting characters. Instead of picking the main, main cast, um... We're going to go with an interesting bout, and the reason also we chose to pick this was uh, also, too, because uh, one of the actors passed away. Uh, George yeah. Coe, who uh, voiced Woodhouse. Yes, yes. Rest in peace. The wonderful boy. Woodhouse. So he didn't appear... Can't eat any horse Spiderwebs. Spiderwebs. And we didn't, see him, we didn't see him on last season, but that yeah. was because of his health, yeah. but uh, very sorry to hear about his passing. But Long, like, lustrous... Yeah, uh, um, uh, work history that that man had. Too. Uh, was a writer on SNL, yeah. uh, nine, and yeah. Uh, yeah, so very impressive career. Um, but the reason, that, again, that's why we chose Archer tonight. And uh, tonight, our round for MFK is Cheryl, Pam, and of course, Krieger. Oh my God! So um, this is a kind of a tricky one tonight. So I, I don't think it's too tricky. It's tricky. Um, actually, you know what? I'm gonna write off the bat. Let's start with Kenny, because he doesn't know the characters well at all. Alright, well, let's let's be fair on this. I have seen approximately half of an episode of Archer in the span of my years. What is wrong with you? I don't know. I just haven't gotten there around to it. There's a special place in hell for people like you. No, there isn't. There, well, for me, but not for this reason. Alright, so, uh, what they were nice enough to do was to show me a few random YouTube clips of the characters, so that is what my knowledge is going to go on. And since they just showed it to me a couple hours ago, you'll have to remind me, uh, Cheryl, Pam, and who was the last one? Krieger. Krieger. Krieger, I believe, is the man in the situation, the scientist. Cheryl and Pam, one of them is fat, one of them is crazy. Explain to me which is which again? Cheryl is crazy. Pam is fat. Okay, Except we are good. Except for season Ex- yeah. five. Well, that was that was one of the other things, because they showed me, and they I said, she looks better here, and they went, well, she's addicted to coke. So... Uh, when, we're talking about, when we're talking about yeah, we're Pam, right. are we talking about uh, Pam Chunky Pam or Pam Cocor Pam? This is your fault. Uh, I think it's still going to be the same no matter what. Okay. So here's what we know. It's, it's, it seems like an obvious choice right here. You've got to marry Krieger. Why am I getting weird looks? 
Let me explain please do, to you, simpletons. Please do. Krieger is someone that you're going to have to spend a lot of time with if you marry him. If you marry someone, you have to spend a lot of time with them. You he seems like a very cool guy from what I've seen. The episode, the little clips that you have showed me, here's what I know about Krieger. Krieger makes sex toys, he can make holograms, and he uh, is fairly entertaining when he speaks. Let me add a little bit of information to you to you on uh, Krieger. He may or may not have been cloned from the DNA of Hitler. Clone fucker! <laughs> Again, I didn't say I was having sex with him, oh. and what's wrong with that? <laughs> Just because your clone was bad doesn't mean that you are bad. Clones are people, too. <laughs> so basically, what I'm saying is, from what I've seen, why would you not want to marry him? I'll go over that when I go. All right. Well, then we get down to sex and killing, which basically comes down to which one would be better for a one-night stand. Again, one of them is crazy... And one of them is fat. Now, I know a lot of people will go like, oh, I like the fat girls and the chubby chaser, and that's good for you. And I don't care. This isn't about fat or skinny. It's about crazy. Because everybody knows, I don't care whether you're fat, skinny, black, white, whatever, the crazy girls are amazing in bed. And I've been with some of them. I know. Crazy girls are incredible in bed. You don't want to date them. And I've made that mistake. I have. But it's how I know crazy girls are ridiculous in bed. And since we're only talking about a one-night stand here, absolutely sex with Cheryl. Cheryl is the crazy one. She would be ridiculously good in bed, which means killing Pam, which I don't really care about because she's got that annoying voice anyway. And that's what we're going to go Amber with. Nash, this is completely not against you, and we really look forward to when you meet up with uh, Ben and uh, Nick's little heart radio. So, so I'm going to go next to, oh, to provide provide counterpoint. Oh, I hope you don't cover my ground, but go. Sir. So, so unfortunately, uh, I'm going to have to kill Krieger. Um, you know, it's 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 the 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 it's the most difficult choice in this grouping of three. I don't want to kill any of them. I don't want to kill any of them. No, this is this is a tricky one. I, I'm going to kill Krieger because one, yes, he makes some interesting robots. Um, uh, ro robo fist or whatever sex toys. Uh, but I I don't want to have to deal with like Piggly. Oh, Piggly! Thank you. He showed Freaks. me that clip. He shot the pig. Yes, it's not around that anymore. That was Piggly one. That was Piggly one. There are many Piglies. <laughs> so then it comes down to you know who do you, you don't marry? Like bacon. I love bacon. Danny, we gotta keep that heart rate up, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> So, so who do you marry, and who do you just, you know, fool around with? I think you gotta say, you, you gotta marry, you gotta marry Cheryl, Carol. You gotta marry Carol. You've Carol. never dated a crazy girl! But, here's the reason. <laughs> no, he has good reason. He has good reason. He Cheryl Tunt is heir to the Tunt, Tunt fortune. fortune. She is worth millions? Billions? Millions. She is yeah. worth billions of dollars, yeah. has her own personal railroad. And an ocelot that pisses on everything. The ocelot's so fucking cool. He remembers me. <laughs> so, money. Now, no one told me that part. <laughs> You've already made your bed. You've got to go lie in it. Um, so that leaves just Pam to, you know, Pam, Pam to fuck. And Pam... Just as crazy, almost, in the sack as Cheryl. So, would do, 
multiple times. How do you know she's a crazy in the shadow oh, show? Oh, oh, no oh, one oh, again, that. Okay. again. Things you need yeah. to do. Yeah. Things you need to do. Watch, Watch Archer. Archer. Yes. All right, I gotta jump in here. I'm glad you you did not get the mix that I had. I killed Krieger. This happens. Okay. Because I don't want to become a Krieger experiment. Look, the only long-term healthy relationship he has is with a hologram of a Japanese girl that he made himself, and that is self-aware. Everybody else that has crossed paths with him that is not a major character ends up under the chopping. You don't, you don't want cybernetic legs? No, no, no. You, you don't want Mushy Knight and no, no, the no, 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 no. I do. He, he's gone. He's dead. Now, here I'll agree with Kenny. Cheryl gets fucked. Okay, because... She's fucking insane, and I think it would be interesting to choke somebody out just one time during sex. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little curious, and she's totally into that. May or may not have happened before. Just saying. <laughs> Girls' request. Just saying. Now, Pam, I'm married. Pam is a lot of fun. Yeah, she might have some extra weight. Who the hell cares? She's a lot of fun. She has good connections with the Yakuza. Yeah, she does. <laughs> she can take up for you in any fight, right? Like, anybody disses you, she can whoop their ass. Because oh she God, is a, a electro-bump yeah. right? That's and all I have to say. Yeah. And on top of that, she is the only character we've come across in the show that leaves Archer reeling from her sexual abilities. Yes. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. and Archer is experienced as the day is long. Yeah. She's the only one that completely knocks him off his feet with her sexual talents. That's what I'm going home to every night. Mm-hmm. That's a good call. Um, I'm going to marry Krieger because it'd be interesting. <laughs> I think it would be interesting as hell. Your case before you end up in a closet or a pile or something. Eh, it would be a fun ride. <laughs> could be a short marriage, but it would be an interesting it'd be marriage. Very short, but it would be fascinating. Is it really a threesome with the holograms involved? Yeah. I don't know. But then, uh, and midway through, she'll get bored. She'll be like, oh, Neil deGrasse Tyson song. Yeah, no. <laughs> hilarious. Really, oh, I just becomes a cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, so then, um, Cheryl, I wouldn't know what to do with her. And I don't really want to, like, try to choke kill her. So I'm probably just going to kill She'll probably just get off as I kill her anyway. But, um. <laughs> yeah. And, um. Yeah, I would definitely fuck Pam for the same reason, for the aforementioned reason. Like, she's a badass. Pam's awesome as shit. She's one of the best characters in the show. Yeah, actually, my I forget who who, who mine mirror, uh, like mirrors the most in all this. I mean, I think it's, it's probably actually, I think it's Fetch. It's almost identical in this Yay! Um, you know, you have to kill Krieger. Again, I think I they're, they're just for self-preservation. I love Krieger, oh, he's but again... It's you but can, he, he dies. You can have more of him. I can just continually have husbands. It's great. Oh, that's <laughs> true. There are a lot of great. Well, no, he killed. No, he killed. No, they a lot. died in the power outage. Oh, yeah, God. remember all of his, and then he was he had all those. But we don't know which Krieger we have now. We don't. <laughs> that's true. Um, but again, yeah, there there are benefits. You could become bionic, but you could also awesome. become bionic like Barry did, because Barry was fairly normal. And then went batch <laughs> insane. So I why is your vagina in the sink? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I think yeah, because of Krieger's potential world of dominance yeah. that may revolve only around Krieger surviving, I think I have to kill Krieger. Um, you know, Cheryl is the very obvious choice for the fuck because again, like we're all saying, she's pretty much insanely wild and crazy, and again, it could be very interesting. You, but again, the probably worst part about that is based on her mood at the time. The name you call her, she could get very angry about. Yeah. Because she does have a very short fuse, but, again, it could be... Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, that's that probably going to end... Someone with scissors? Yeah. <laughs> there could be the shrimp incident, too, so you're, oh, playing yeah. a, you're playing a risk in the whole... Whether or not you leave sex with body parts. Yeah, that's... that's... <laughs> But I think it could be worth it because you just don't know what you're gonna get. You yeah. get a country singer, you get Charlene, or um, you know Cheryl or Carol or God knows what. Um, but I think that's still the best best route. But yeah, you marry Pam. You have to marry Pam. Yeah. Because Pam Hoovy, like I said, she again head of HR, so she's good at talking through problems to an extent. I don't know. She yeah. <laughs> again, fisticuffs. And the biggest factor is you have. Endless supplies of green Russians. Oh, yeah. And uh, you don't end up as a check mark on her back tattoo. <laughs> and that's the big key factor. Because if you attempt to kill Pam, uh, she's, she's probably going to so kill good. you first. Yeah. And you don't. I wouldn't scorn Pam. I'm just too afraid of that. That's fair. Yeah. It, it could be a damaged marriage, but you'd probably survive. <laughs> so, I'm going to end up have to. Yeah, yeah. no. I kill Krieger. Uh, kill Krieger. Fuck Cheryl and Mary So that is episode 19 of the Captain Crewcast of Puppets. Um, this is the podcast for August 2015, and we'll go around the table real quick. Kenny, what are you working on? Anything special? Hi. Hi, the games. Um, <laughs> no, I do have some games that I'm working on. Uh, I just talked to Fesh and Kat earlier about Your an RPG that I came up with. Amazing. A trader RPG game, a way to actually let other players sabotage other players without people knowing who's doing what. Uh, that's a new RPG that I'm working on. And of course, I always have some board games and card games in the works. And I have one out in the car tonight. Me? I'm trying to pull myself away from Rocket League. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pulled you away from WoW. It has pulled me away from WoW. And that's a good thing. Yes, it is. So. Uh, well, I'm still working on my Stormtrooper build, which I've been working on for almost two years now, which someday will be completed, and I've made myself a promise tonight, if I get off my lazy ass and actually get I, I'm gonna, done. I'm going to put the challenge down that I want to see that TK build on you in front of the arcade machine for a moment during next one. All right, I think I can do it in that time. Nice. Okay, that's a good challenge because that's what what I promise myself, I will make sure that done. That arcade machine, nineteen seventy eight seventy nine arcade Star Wars game with you in the stormtrooper armor playing. Right, that gives me a really good reason to work on it. Okay, cool. And if I get it done, I can begin to work on trying to build a skill suit as another uh, cosplay piece, like a good one, not like a crappy. I taped a couple garbage bags to myself yeah. skill suit. But like an actual honest to god still suit. So challenge accepted. I'm gonna do my best, sir. Cool. Cat. Um, mine's really just 
because I've been plugging away at the Furious Earth book, so that will be a huge effort of a lot of caffeine through creatives. So. And you got new books in the work? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, working on lots of books. So. So and you have uh, recent releases still to pin to, don't forget. Um, yeah, June and July were pretty big with stuff. I had um, a short come out, Solid Ground, I had a novella come out, Soul Titles, and then I had Soul Solution, another um, novella come out in the July. Which was really, really awesome, just finished reading. It's definitely uh, well worth well worth the read. Um, for me, um, as Kenny brought up, uh, Thursday the 13th, me and him are going to be doing some work on um, the edits on that game pretty soon. Um, our good friend for the site, Kevl, is uh, plugging away at the art, um, and we hope to have to show you guys very soon. Really excited about that. And in the meantime, um, we'll be pretty much getting the team ready for Extra Life between now and to November, and making sure that's going to be an amazing event. And again, we really need your support for that, so... Keep your eye out for links to help support that. Um, and as always, we couldn't do the show without thanks to DJ Cutman and Game Chops for our intro music. And we thank them every month and all the time for their continued support. And uh, again, we, we always need your support to make sure by going to caffeinecrew.com, following us on Facebook, Twitter, and also going to iTunes and helping with the show by just throwing a rating on there. Just whatever you think, whatever you want to see. You can always reach out to us, too, and tell us more about what you want to see from the show, what you like, what you don't like, by reaching out to the caffeine crew at gmail.com. And that was episode 19, and we'll see you next month. Bye! Bye. Bye. Harmony! Aww.